Welcome back to We Got Goosebumps, a podcast dedicated to the landmark horror series for children, written by R.L. Stein back in the 90s. I'm your maniacal neighbor who wishes bees on you, Dylan. Oh, and I'm your smooth as hell body double who can skateboard in a way all the chicks dig. I'm Travis. What's up? Well, Travis, today we have number 17 in the series, Why I'm Afraid of Bees, which was released in March of 1994, and highlights why there's so many bodies and uh, government institutions that are in place to regulate businesses that just kind of sprout up on Roach yeah. Street and do... Oh, yeah. The most horrifying thing in this book to me was uh, the body switching company and its just utter lack of oversight. Like, just... Oh, my God. They don't even accept payment. This is free service to children. Okay, so that was the part that I stumbled the most. Like, fine, it's an unethical company. It's 1994. Sure, they'll let 12-year-olds change bodies without parental permission forms or whatever. It was a different time back then. I don't remember what it was like 30 years ago. But the fact that it was free, apparently. Free. Wasn't even a scheme. So I I have a theory but it's it's a rough theory. It does. It's it's my. It's gonna be like this plot. I need you hole, to fill this plot hole. This plot I need hole you to is fill too it. big. I, we have to start this off. <clears throat> I'm gonna say mi- this place had a nice office and with microphones in its own bathroom. This is not like a back of a van establishment. This is. I feel like Miss Carmen is the nice version of Mister Toggle, for example, from okay. uh, Piano Lessons Can Be Murder. Or oh, look at you! Like so, Miss Carmen has this genius idea, but she's she's not ethical or good at what she does. Like she's probably this old uh, an inventor. She's the only one there. She she answers the phones. She calls clients. Yeah. She's the receptionist. She works the machines, and it, it looks like it's just a, all the equipment is in the front office. Like she has that big old glass screen to protect her in. Right? Why would she? It's just a one room organization. And there's other employees? I don't think so. Miss Carmen has and she's like got to come to your house to do it. Yeah, and her her album this that she's like put together is just a Polaroid camera. It's not like she has to put. She's yeah. like, I take pictures of all the children who walk through. She's a monster of a different stripe, and we've barely even she's scratched scary. the surface of Miss Carmen. And like, mm-hmm. think of the advertising. It wasn't in a phone book or anything. It was on the computer. It was probably free because it was just a posting on it. I used it. I love that whole chapter, by the way. The whole chapter. That is fun. That's wild. Like, oh, this is kind of what the internet was like, sort of. Like, R.L. Stein has a kind of grasp of it. Yeah, it was so easy to abduct a kid on the internet back then. You no effort. You just had to say, "Hey, we could change your body around." Yeah, kids will just show Here's up. Here's our address. He didn't even call first. He just went. That's the craziest he just thing. Just showed up. Oh god. And they were like, "Oh no, we don't need your parents. They won't even know." It's so creepy. <sighs> anyway, except it's we're not we. So far ahead of ourselves. It's just Miss Carmen. Well, we have to. We have to pave over this particularly large plot hole. Like, if we ever interview R.L. Stein, we're gonna be like, "You need to fucking tell us how business operates under this method of not getting paid yeah, and just body switching children." And the fact. Oh my god. Oh, I'm gonna have to suppress all of this because I have so many problems with Miss Carmen and the way that she runs this business. Like, when she's just like, Dirk doesn't want to leave. Sorry. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, nothing I can do about it. Like, <laughs> wait, what? Somebody signed a form. This is legally binding. Oh no, it's not. I I just I just wrote that in crayon. Didn't you notice? Like, oh shit, Gary, man, Gary, 
you're 12. You shouldn't know about contract law, but still, like, crayon contracts. <laughs> Bad sign. Oh, buddy. Man. <laughs> Why I will say, you... by March of 1994, I was riddled with bee stings. I don't know about you. <laughs> Why? By the... Why did you put lickety slit in the script? Wait, what? <laughs> you just wrote lickety slit. I didn't write anything. You wrote that. I wrote lickety slit under the cover. I don't feel like I wrote I, that. I, I think I think that's a holdover from a previous <laughs> episode. I imagine one of us was trying to type this to the other. We had this window open, and we typed it. We're like, "Where did that go?" And then we clicked on the right window and <laughs> typed it. Is that what happened? You were so fucking high, you typed it into the chapter three of our script. (laughs) Just seen lickety's. Then you got mad at me. I was sitting here trying to talk about beans. A fucking Christian boy. Goddamn. Like I got T boned. T boned in the lickety split. Oh my god. Uh, Oh. God damn. Oh, God. Okay, let's back that up. You ever get stubborn? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the mid-90s, I was oh, I was riddled with bee stings. I was always afraid of bees, I, but a healthy fear, not like my snake fear. Like, I don't I don't freak out when I see a bee. I'm, but I was... I was a target. I've never... I've never actually... I did go f- through a brief period where I was scared of bees. I will admit that. But that was mm. instigate by instant... I was, when I was a kid, I actually used to play a fun game where I take a pasta sauce jar, an empty and cleaned out pasta sauce jar, and see how many bees I could catch in one jar before I was at risk for being stung. Because we used to wow. have mint plants in our backyard and like the, the hornets and, and bees, any, anything that wanted flowers was, was all over the mint plants. And so I, I think wow. I got up to 18. Like that's how that's pretty good. And then what I would do, because like now I've got a jar full of bees. What do you do? You unscrew the cap and roll it across the ground like it's a grenade and get the fuck out of there. That's what you do. And that's how uh, Uh, an eight year old in the South uh, would entertain themselves. So maybe you go stick it in Mr. Swanson's mailbox, pay him back for all that bullshit he put you through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mr. I don't know what he did. You tell me. I don't I, know. I, 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 I don't something. really actually have a problem with Mr. Swanson. He's pretty nice. Uh, Is he okay? Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, right. he's good. Okay. Uh, sure. The incident that made me a little more perturbed about bees was when I parked a, a, a lawnmower over a yellow jacket nest in the ground. Um, I only got stung twice. But having to stand like a statue while my dad swatted hornets off of me for uh, uh. 10 minutes probably wasn't even 10 minutes. I actually, uh, I was going to say 10 hours. That's how long it felt. But because <laughs> what I, had, I, I booked it into the house thinking I'd escape the, the, the yellow jackets. And then, like, I'm telling my parents, oh, man. You know, I got stung a thousand times by yellow jackets because, uh, long, and then a, a yellow jacket flies by me. Another yellow jacket flies by. And then we all look down at my pants. I don't want to say covered because I know exactly. <laughs> there were 17 yellow jackets. And I know that's because that's how many were dead on the floor after all was said and done. <laughs> but I had to stand there like a statue the entire time while my dad was just like swatting at them with a rolled up magazine. So that, that put, wow. that made me a little, disconcerted yeah, with dude. the yellow jackets for a while. I bet, yeah. I had a not I won't say a similar encounter because I think yours takes the takes the the cake there, but uh I did as an adult man, 
uh, I was mowing and um, I got to a point, I started seeing a lot of bees and I, I stopped and I was looking around. I was like, where are these bees coming from? I just kind of froze with my push mower. I was like, where are these, what's up, what's up with all these bees? Maybe if I sit here for a minute, they'll disperse. Okay, I don't see any more bees. And then I moved forward a little bit and I had parked it right over top of the nest. Mm. And I just unleashed just a, a fizzy champagne bottle of bees that jumped out. And then I, knowing, seeing what happened, I let go of the mower and I sprint through my yard and they chased me. They got a few of them got me on the back of my legs. I like tuck and roll. And from a distance, people are like, okay, this guy's insane. (laughs) (laughs) Just, he just quit mowing, sprinted like he's in the NFL and tried to do a dive across (laughs) his driveway. Like he scored a touchdown. They didn't make eye contact with me for a while after that. And every time they would see me, I would say it was the bees. No respect here in the hood. I, the last time I was down south, I was I was walking down a, a dirt road, and this I don't know to this day, Travis. This last year I'm talking about like this to this day, <laughs> Travis. I don't know what it was, but it was easily like maybe maybe that big. That's the realistic size, about the size of a quarter, okay, uh, in diameter, uh, uh, to about the size of a, a fucking uh, a dinner plate. Or howitzer shell, but something was coming for me. Like it was a big at, and just like, and just I don't. Whoa. So I, the people down this backcountry road watched a six foot four tall, full grown man sprinting down <laughs> this road. Occasionally, I'd be like, not juking, but just my feet would skitter out from underneath me because I was trying to run on gravel, and so like I'd go down on my back. And then I'd like get booked because it followed me for like half a mile. I'm not exaggerating. That's insane. I was sprinting down this road. I, I'd stop and I'd be like, oh, thank God. I, then and then I would just start running again. But I would be going so, like, my feet would be doing the, the Looney Tunes. Like, you could see the dust right. cloud under my feet. And then I just like, just fell on my face because like I was getting no traction. I just went down. It was, it was a humiliating time. And I think it was a military drone. I'm concerned that uh, if I ever am in danger, that is exactly how I'm going to respond. Because this this really was only probably uh, one of those Japanese death hornets that made its way across from the Pacific Northwest where they started. And then came across mm-hmm. the country to where I was. And this lone one had developed a hatred for me. That's the only thing that I can think. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Let's talk covers. Yeah, dude. Let's talk covers because uh, there's not many. This this book wasn't – it didn't have a lot of international releases. We only get uh, mainly Europe. There's no Indonesia – no Dutch. No Dutch cover. That's not, you that's know, not, not European. No, that, but, yeah, that that's pretty European actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, no Korea, no Indonesia, none of that. So um, we'll start with Tim Jacobus. He does the best work. He'll make us feel pretty good about it. Now, one interesting note about this – and, and Tim Jacobs does a pretty good job of nailing the accuracy of the story, but not here, dude. Not here. There is no, there's no head. There's no human head on the bee in the book. He is a full, full ass bee from. I was trying to name parts of a bee from from thorax to mantle. I don't know from face to stinger. He's bee. So I'm. But on the cover, he's got a face. I need to do. I'm going to do a quick Google search here. Are you going to be the guy all booked to tell us all the inaccuracies with with bees? I was seeing when Animorphs came out because this this oh. feels like a a kind of anamorphish, like almost like a. Did you ever read that series as a, as a as a child? I was familiar with the series. The covers are terrible looking as well. 
They're not Typically. terrible looking. Okay, we'll. We can, you and me are gonna. We'll fight about that on We Got Animorphs. We're, we're gonna have fight. Yeah, fight, fight words <laughs> with fighting. But like uh, that came out in 1996, so two years after this. So they mm. they stole off uh, Tim Jacobus. It's it's funny because uh, we there is an example in the international cover where they do just have a bee with no human head, and to be honest. Uh, less effective of a cover uh, in that in that particular case. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say I'm glad that Tim Jacobus did, in fact, uh, decide to depart from the, the, the story a little bit and actually put a human head on this bee. That's right, because otherwise it's just boring. It's just, a, it's, yeah, yeah, otherwise it's just a bee, you know, and that's, what is that, you know? This actually gives you that unsettling flavor Goosebumps goes for. So I see your point. Uh, I also saw in the trivia that uh, according to It Came From Ohio, the idea for the story was inspired by the Robert Sheckley novel Mind Swap. So there That's, you go. There's your inspiration piece. I've never actually uh, I've never read that. Now I'm very I, I'm strangely very curious, even though I feel like that's a little I'm not going to say horse shit, but I'm going to say like. Did you really need an inspiration for this? You didn't need an inspiration. <laughs> this is this is like 13 going on 30 or Parent Trap. It's the same shit. Yeah. Who gives yeah. a shit? But anyway, it's just a bee. It's a good looking bee. Uh, it's face on a bee. It's not that remarkable. It's a cool picture. It's not my favorite, but it gets the job done. It does. It does actually capture the the kind of this. This is one of the more lighthearted Goosebumps books. I feel like those mm. crop up more and more as we go. Where they're they're a little. They're a little goofy. Like, One Day at Horrorland. Actually, One Day at Horrorland is really fucked up. Kind of fucked up. It ends the on a goofy... exploding in chapter yeah, two. Yeah, I mean, it ends on a goofy-ish note, sort of. I mean, they're still going to kill them. That's the thing. Uh, mm. I, I've, the more I think about One Day at Horrorland is, like, a secret favorite of mine. Not a secret favorite, but it's, like, right? it's building. Did it, did it stick with you a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Like-, <laughs> like, thinking about it now, just, like, I, was, I, was, I wasn't I was about to slam it, but it's just, like, this is definitely a little bit sillier. You know what? Uh, piano Lessons Can Be Murder is like that, where, like, the kid is pretty, like, chill throughout the whole thing. And it's just, like, man, piano lessons, right? They can be murder. Well, mine really were. Like, you can totally see, like, the kind of, like, a... Uh, more Ferris Bueller kind of attitude mm. for that character, and it kind of made that story less scary. This is definitely a, less of a spooky story throughout. Like, Gary Lutz, yeah. the Klutz, is a lot like Amanda Bird. And is it Amanda Bird? Her last name is Bird, I think. Suddenly you're just a savant for all the, the entire series. I know. I know, it's great. Typically you can't remember the name of our own show, but today you're dropping names from ten books ago. But yeah, Amanda Bird sounds familiar. What story That's, is that? That's uh, I mean, the uh, "Be Careful What You Wish For." Oh, oh, okay. Now yeah, we just edited that one, so that makes no, sense. no. I, I, no. Well, yeah, technically, <laughs> technically, I did do a very special uh, "Be Careful What Your Piano Lessons Are." <laughs> yes, uh, yes. That's a old, great episode. Oops. The old oops, I put the wrong audio in the wrong episode. We've all done it. We've all done it. Uh, but yeah, so. Moving on from Tim Jacobus, you know what? I'm going to save the UK for last because I feel like the French covers are they're not they're not going to be as exciting. We're going to have a big build up and then we're going to get to the French covers. Let's let's end on the UK, you know? I, well, I will say the first French cover is pretty pretty memorable in its <laughs> its own special yeah. way. There's an Asian boy trapped in a honeycomb? I don't understand. And is, a, is being menaced by a giant bee. Although the kid, again, the kids on the, the European covers, their facial expressions never seem to be enough. 
They always seem like, <laughs> oh Very no, Klaus, yes. the bee is coming. No, like that's that's <laughs> more what's happening rather than like, I'm not getting goosebumps from that expression. That's more like, ah, a giant bee. Like if I saw a bee that big coming out of my face after I popped out of my honeycomb hideout, I would be shitting myself. <laughs> this kid looks like, oh no, the kickball's coming my way. No. Yeah, he just looks a little annoyed that the bee is yeah. there. That's and it. he's the one yeah. in the honeycomb. He, why is he in there? He's in their yeah. home. Like, so Get clearly the kid is, is in the wrong here. He, mm. That's true. I will say, uh, folks at home, if you're like, I wish people wouldn't describe things I can't see. Well, we got the link to these in the show notes. You can click and you can follow along and, uh, and admire this, these in this section because it's worth it. It's most, most of my enjoyment comes from the cover. After that, it's all weird. Uh, then we got the second French cover, which I think is kind of fitting. I kind of like this take on things. You got a bee on the kid's face. Nothing scarier than having a bee on your face. That is true. That is. And the, the title of the book is, you know, uh, why I'm scared of bees. Uh, although what is, there's no question mark at the end of that. So I don't, and I don't actually speak that much French. <laughs> so I can't help you there. Uh, I'm assuming yeah. de habile is bees, the bees. The bees. Uh, you is vu. So there we go. You, you the bees. And maybe a gesture. We'll get it. Yeah. We're there. If anybody speaks French, please email us in French. Uh, that way we can't read it. So we actually do have, we do have a, a couple of French speakers in our own Discord, you psycho. <laughs> well, we do. We could, out, we could outsource the, uh, the translation. I don't think they listen to this podcast though. No, I don't think they like us personally. Yeah. Otherwise. Uh, we got a little sweat beating down the forehead, a backwards cap, very 90s. Be on the face, on the nose. It's. A, would you say it's a little too on the nose? Would you say that this covers a little too on the There's nose? There's enough puns in this book without you adding to the problem, all right? Okay. All right. Well, I tried to get mine in, but that's fine. Jovial Bob Stein wins again. I just I can't compete. Well, let's take it over to the UK. <sighs> and um, God, damn, Dylan, when I saw this today, I could hear your voice in the back of my head just screaming things. What were those things? <laughs> I can't. What? <laughs> it isn't a different style now. Like, it looks different. Like, it, it looks... Instead of having Yeah, nothing's that, sinking into the goo. Everything is above everything's the goo. Everything's above the goo. It's not... The goo is now part of the background. I really don't think this cover artist knew what goosebumps were. Put the goo in the background... And then everyone after, and then everyone who approved it was just like, I don't know what's up with the goo, but I kind of like it. It reminds me of British puddings. <laughs> and then just decide that was acceptable for the cover of Goosebumps. I'm so sorry for that terrible accent. But I, I just, I'm so angry. I'm staring into his eyes and wondering why he has a fruit by the foot coming out of his mouth. And I know it's a bee tongue, but why? But with that expression and the tongue, why the tongue? The tongue isn't. It's it, it comes up, but why why put it on the cover? It's not part of the scariness. And it looks like it was added later because it's literally just sticking out of his mouth like a party favor kind of thing. Like the the, the... honestly, yeah, I think it was added later. And the kid, it looks like a a redheaded version of. Jason Bateman. Yeah. After the initial shock that I always get after UK covers, I just, I feel empty and <laughs> hollow this time. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, I think I've reached the point. There is an initial shock, though, every mm -hmm. time. Right? There's never been a time that I've looked at one of I'm these. I'm somehow surprised. For the viewers at home, they didn't do 
conceptually, they didn't do too much differently from what Tim Jacobus did. It is a bee with a human head on it. And then there's a couple more bees in the background to, I guess, one-up it. And the usual purple marmalade nightmare in the background. But for some reason, <laughs> the boy has, like, he looks, I guess maybe he's supposed to be like Gary at the end of the book where he's he's drunk the honey and he's basically like part bee and he's just like, I love this life now. Yeah, he looks happy to be a bee, which goes against the entire, the other 25 chapters of the book where he's not so much into bees. Well, that's it for cover talk. What do you say we open it? Is it really? This is what we're ending this on? This is the cover? I'm going to go back to the French one with the honeycomb hideout. Thing, it. like, that's There's only only four versions. It gets the, you know, the, after you look at the other ones, that one does get more interesting. It really does. I I want to I want yeah. to read back in back in ye olden days, the DC Comics. What they would do is sometimes is they would give a cover to a writer and be like, "I need you to write a story that goes with this cover," and they'd have to mm. like write a whole story based off of that cover. I like that. I would love. Why don't you do that I, for yeah, this? I would love to. Like, it it would be hard for us to, to take part because we actually know what the story is. But like taking mm. the European covers. Not the British ones, because that's cruel. The European covers um, and giving them to writers and saying, like, I want you to write a story based on this in the style of Goosebumps. And being like, can you even figure out what this... They're probably going to come back with, like, some Honey, I Shrunk the Kids nightmare kind of scenario for that one. Right. Like, because that's why I'm getting off that cover. Which this has a little bit of. It's got a bit of a flavor to that, too. All right. Well, let's, you know, let's crack open these covers and fucking get in there, dude. In, in the covers? Let's see what all the buzz is about. Oh, Jesus, man, come on. <laughs> come on, I gotta get a couple in, Jesus, dude. Oh, that's what she's... Chapter one. Hmm. Gary Lutz. Is every single sentence in this script going to have a B pun in it that I'm going to have to be mad about? No, just the first one. Just the first one. I took out three. <laughs> I thought you, I knew you'd be mad. I knew you'd be mad. I typed it out and I was like, nah, I can already hear him bitching and I don't want to have to deal with that. I'm going to take it out. But I left the first one in because I wanted to assert my dominance as pun lord. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to read it out because I want people to know what I'm dealing with here. <laughs> Gary Lutz telling us the story of how this came to be. B's got two E's. It's, Tell it's them, got Dylan, that E's because it's, it's you're referring yeah. to the, the insect. Bees. Yeah. It's, so we got another story where it's it's uh, they're telling us this tale of of woe from that happened in the past, much like uh, a werewolf of fever swamp or you can't scare me. Look at this shit. What happened? I, I can I'm I know titles of books. I I can't believe I don't know if you took a pill. I don't know what's going on with you right now. You it's like you want to be oh here. Oh my all god! Of a Shut the f- front door. <laughs> so Gary, Gary Lutz. That's important because R.L. Stein came up with a cute name for him to mock him throughout the entire book. But uh, he's he's just chilling out out back reading reading comics under the maple tree as you do when you're a young sprat. He's uh he's he's kind of friendless. He's kind of a sh- he's kind of a schmuck. Let's just let's just put that out here. He's not. He's pretty pathetic. At the end of the book, we find he learns a pretty harsh reality, which is that he's the problem. Uh, but he takes it in stride throughout this book. To be to be fair, yeah. but uh, so like he has no friends. He has a nine year old sister that doesn't like him. But to be fair, he doesn't really like her either because Chrissy's 
To be honest, Chrissy's not even that not not that bad. Uh but uh all the other kids call him what's the klutz. And he's just like, why does everyone make fun of me? But then he hears bees buzzing nearby, which is actually not that strange because they're his neighbor, uh, Mr. Andretti. Yeah. What is he, a race car driver? I could not get that out of my head the entire time. I don't follow racing, but I know who Mario Andretti is. Like, it's just... Right? What are you doing, Arlson? You pick, like, you pick some third stringer. You don't pick, like, the only person everybody knows. Like... I know. We're going to have a book where there's an Earnhardt, oh. and it's going to it's another, it's gonna be another yeah. one of those. And then, like, later editions change to Junior. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> as sad. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that's the change it makes, then that's the third later. Uh, and is there Dale Earnhardt the third? There's got to be, right? I think I think you're confusing the Earnhardt family with the uh, country music. What is it? The- oh, uh Hank Williams Jr. and then Hank 3, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly. Uh, I don't think anyone likes Hank 3, though, except for Hank. So I shouldn't say that. I've, I've, I've made so many people angry so often. Yeah, somebody was like, wait a minute, I like Dale and Hank 3. I didn't say anything bad about Dale. Except. They both got the same number. He was a pretty shitty driver. <sighs> oh, that, that actually probably got us banned in the South. You're Thanks. You just live there, though, so that's not so bad. Anyway, let's get out of chapter one. So, here's a bee buzzing nearby, which is a cause concern. It's a cause for some concern, because uh, Gary's scared of bees, which is, he's in his own personal hell then, because his neighbor, Mr. Andretti, keeps bees, and he's kind of an asshole about it. Like, yeah, like the is. whole time, every description we give Andretti sounds like the worst possible neighbor, A, even if he didn't keep bees. I think it'd be kind of cool if your neighbor kept bees, but I could see how that might be a point of concern. Mr. Andretti is not uh, exactly reassuring about it. Like, there's this whole scene where he, he's talking to uh, Gary's dad, and he's just like, You know, your shitty beekeeper, he wears like six pairs of gloves on each hand. Your not-so-shitty beekeeper, like, fucking licks the bees. I put bees in my pants. That's how good of a beekeeper I Like, he just has this whole big, like, I'm the best beekeeper that ever was. And he's just kind of a dick about it. Big dick, yeah. But Gary's also kind of like, at the same time, fascinated by these bees. So he peeks over the fence, checks out these bee situation occasionally, and he sees he sees uh Mr. A. He, I'm gonna actually have to use your naming convention because if I have to say Andretti for this entire podcast, I might lose my mind. <laughs> uh, he sees uh Mr. A is getting ready to go into his his uh, his bee enclosure which is basically his, his garage has been converted into hives it sounds like with a screen door kind of thing so you can get in and out yeah very haphazard it seems he, he describes mr a's outfit no gloves no gloves because a real beekeeper doesn't wear gloves ever yeah he's got the got the bees ever. trusting him nothing never ever his hands are bare baby soft like you could a bee could like <laughs> Burrow. They're like milk. They're like they're like pudding. Just got milk just, hands. Just got real hands. soft puddingy hands that he just yeah. sticks into his beehives. I'm losing my mind already. Again, I lo- I well, I was gonna say I love it, but I'm a little irritated. No, I love it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> soft hands for stroking the bees. <laughs> Chapter one, still by the way. And Gary's like, he's giving us this whole thing where he's like, I'm terrified of everything. I'm scared of cats, or specifically Klaus, because we have another shithead cat 
uh, in this book. I get the feeling R.L. Stein does not like cats because most of the time that cats pop up, it's just like, man, maybe cats should be just burned with witches. But mm. he, he, he hears like the, the sound of the bees getting louder and he, he pops his head over the fence and there's Mr. A coming out there and his, his, his suit used to be an all white suit. Everyone's seen beekeeper suit or the beekeeper TikTok kind of situations or whatever. And instead of being white, he is black. And not only black, it's moving. Like the suit itself seems to be moving oh. because it is nothing but bees. Mr. A is wearing bees, which is weird because Mr. A shouldn't be wearing bees, if you see what I mean. Oh, s- alphabet joke. It's, it's an, an alphabet, alphabet joke. joke. Mr. Yeah, A is like, Gary, right. get the fuck out of here. The bees is loose. Bum, bum, bum. The bees is loose. And Gary's like, well, fuck. I don't like that. So Gary turns sprints inside his house where the bees ain't. And he hears from behind him, Mr. Andretti back there, Mr. A laughing. <laughs> and in kind of a God is ass cadence because it was just a joke. Uh, Mr. Andretti, complete control over those bees. It was never, never, uh, never a situation to be fearful of. Poor dumb fucking Gary. Anyway. Uh, my favorite part of this, because apparently Mr. Andretti doesn't like the fact that Gary, who's afraid of bees but fascinated by them, watches Mr. Andretti with the bees a lot. Mr. Andretti does not like this. And as as he's teased Gary and scared Gary, he's like, guess that'll teach you to get a life and stop staring at me all day. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is hilarious. I thought that was the best thing that an older man could yell at a boy. <laughs> Is that the best thing or the most horrifying thing that he could have yelled at? It's, it's like he's accusing the boy of being a pervert, which I think is kind of, guess I don't teach you to get a life start staring at me all day. He says a couple other things too. He's just like, did, did they set up a neighborhood watch while I wasn't paying attention? And like, did the FBI recruiting 10 year olds as spies? And Rosen... Oh, is it not Rosenberg? Ugh. The wrong. I mentioned a spy, the Rosenbergs, who stole Rush. Oh, I was. You're I, there. I meant yeah. McCarthy, though. I was going to make a McCarthyism reference. Sure, you yeah, did. I'm sorry. Swinging a miss. We're still in chapter two, but uh, yeah. Then um, Mom walks in and she's like, "Oh, hey, Gare Bear. You want a you want a sandwich? You want a little PB and J? I'm going to murder you and- if you do that. If you do Gare Bear, this entire podcast, the number of times I had to listen to Jare Bear." And piano lessons, not piano lessons. Yeah, it would have been. Jerry Bear. Yeah, piano lessons can be murder. You're just like Jerry Bear. It's like, don't you do Gare Bear. Don't ah, you do it's, it. It's, it might be <laughs> Gare Bear. Ah, come on. I'll allow it. All right. I'll just edit it. Fine. Out. Well, the, only when the mom speaks. Only when the mom speaks. The mom says, hey, Gare Bear, you want a, you want a sandwich? You want a PB&J? And uh, he, he's like, yeah, that, I dig it. And she goes to make it. But, uh-oh, out of jelly. Nah, it sucks. Uh, she's like, well, do you want a honey instead? And he's like, ooh, no, gross, because he doesn't like uh-huh. honey, apparently. So he hates bees and their sweet, sweet vomit. nectar juice. Yeah. Vomit. I, uh, I'm going to, I plan to, to correct some facts throughout the book, including on how, on, on how, on how bees actually die, uh, because that scene could have been a lot more horrifying if, if, uh, Oh, good. Mm. I ple- I horrified as a, this book. As a child, I also did not like honey. And to be honest, I'm not really I'm not really going for the honey now as an adult, to be fair. Oh, I put it. I slap it on everything, dude. Cover me in honey and spank me a ton. I'm into mm. it so much. I love it. I literally eat it on anything that 
makes sense to eat it on. Which is not to say like everything, like I have lemons. But later, Gary goes to the playground. He's like, all right, I'm going to get out of this house. I'm going to go uh, see if I can uh, have some fun with my life because I'm a miserable little shit. And uh, he's like, oh, look, some kids are playing softball. Now, if I'm Gary and I've lived a life of being ostracized and made fun of and teased, I already know not to go near a fucking softball game. And sure enough, he goes up there. They're picking teams. No one wants him on their team. And uh, they're very loud about that. When he finally does get picked, because they do make sure every kid gets uh, gets on a team, comes to find out Gary, this is not his first rodeo, they got a special rule in place for Gary. That's that's pretty fucking hurtful, to be honest with you. When they're just right? like, fine, but remember, we get the special rule. That, ooh, that that stung a little bit. Yeah. Even, even through the years, just like, oh. Good pun. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, Gary's stung by that one. And uh, he has a, apparently there's a four strikes rule. For Gary, he can he can get gets an extra strike, so he gets up there to bat. He knows he's got four strikes to burn, but God, he's praying to the heavens, just walk me, just walk me, please God, don't make me embarrass myself. Uh, but he still strikes out, which I think is also hilarious. And then, but then he leaves. He just leaves the game. He, this is his first at bat, and he leaves. Yeah. And is like, maybe that's why you're not good at baseball and you get picked last because you fucking left after what two innings? Like, yeah. Pathetic. Pathetic Gary. Uh, he, he doesn't help himself out a lot, um, which we come to learn. Uh, and on his way home, this is where he gets kind of messed up. On his way home, he runs into some bullies, okay? And these bullies have the most 1960s Archie comic-ass names, Barry, Marv, and Carl. Okay, Barry, Marv, and Carl are there. They're waiting on Gary as he walks down the street. They tease him a little bit. Like, hey, Gary, what you going to do, bud? What, you suck at softball still? Yeah, probably. Yeah, would you strike out again on four strikes? <laughs> and then, out of nowhere, one of them just fucking throws a punch at his nose. Dum, dum, dum! Luckily, Gary manages it. Now, his nose gets creamed. Like, that's that's not a cliffhanger that ends well. That he, he gets the shit beat out of him, it sounds like. They tear his clothes. Like, he's bruised. <laughs> yeah. He's all kinds of fucked up. Like, this isn't, this isn't a happy story, you guys. It's only going to get worse from here. But he, right. he goes home, and he's just like, ah, sucks, covered in blood and scratches and torn shirts and stuff. And so immediately, because <laughs> he doesn't want his mom to find out that he got the shit kicked out of him, because then his mom will call their mom. And then their mom will be like, hey, uh, stop beating up that Gary kid, he creeps. And then the kids are going to be like, <laughs> now we have to go fucking kill him, because he's a snitch, and snitches get stitches. And so then Gary knows, like, he can't let this escalate. So he's got to stop it before it gets started. So he covers up his wounds, gets some makeup, you know, wears dark clothes. I'm not going to go in this direction. Not going to go in that direction. Throws the shirt behind the bed, like hides all that nonsense. So then he uh, he goes downstairs. His mom's just like, hey, me and Chrissy are making peanut butter cookies. You you want to you wanna help? And he's just like, no, not right now, but I hope you lick the bowl later. And it's like, Carrie, this is why people don't like you. Like this is like this, this kind of shit where you're just like, no, I'll do the fun thing later. And then his mom's just like, hey, can you, well, at the very least, can you go get the peanut butter for me? Because, like, the peanut butter cookie is the key ingredient. So he's like, yeah, no problem. Goes to get the jar of peanut butter, tries to open it, can't do it, just bangs it on. Just, she's trying to crack it open. <laughs> then uh, Chrissy's just like, get the fuck out the way. Takes it from him. Does a two-finger twist on the, on the, on the, on the jar. Yeah. And just pops her right open. Barely trying. And... His uh, his his family's not too supportive of, of him in this instance. Though to be fair, 
like Chrissy kind of delivered the joke pretty well. Like, you know, she did not like the full mockery was just like the two fingers. Like that's just brilliant timing on her part. But so he's, he's, he's a little upset. So he decides to book it out of there because his, his sister and his mom are too mean to him. You, you can tell I have like no sympathy. The moment he's just like, I'm scared of the cats and the deep ocean and just, I'm just terrible at everything. Like, Gary, Gary, step up, Gary. But so he decides to leave the house, and this is uh, where we're picking up here. The two of them were laughing together. I don't think they even heard me. Totally miserable, I stepped out the front door and slammed it hard behind me. I decided to ride my bike around the block a few times. When I went around to the side of the house and got it out of the garage, I started to cheer up a little bit. My bike is really awesome. It's a new, blue, 21 speed, and it's real sleek and cool. My dad gave it to me for my 12th birthday. I jumped up on my bike and headed down the driveway. As I turned onto the street, I saw some girls walking down the sidewalk. Out of the corner of my eye, I recognized them. Wow, I thought. It's Judy Donner and Caitlin Davis. Both Judy and Caitlin go to my school. They're really pretty and very popular. To be honest, I've had a major crush on Judy since the fourth grade. And once, at the fifth grade picnic, she actually smiled at me. At least, I think it was at me. So then, I saw those girls walking down the street. I decided it was a good time to try to be really cool. I flipped my baseball cap around so the brim was at the back of my head. Then I folded my arms across my chest and started pedaling no-handed. As I passed them, I glanced over my shoulder and flashed my most glamorous smile at Judy and Caitlin. Before my beautiful smile faded, I felt a tug at my sneaker. I realized instantly that my shoelace was caught in the chain. Horrible grinding sound filled the air. The bike jerked and lurched from side to side, and I lost control. Gary! I heard Judy shriek. Gary! Look out for that car! Bum, bum, bum! Oh, God! Gary's gonna get hit by a car! And he would he deserve really, it. Yeah, and this is a case where, like, this is Gary's fault, 100%. Oh, yeah, showboating out there, showboating, had no business showboating. Uh, but no, he, he doesn't um, succumb to the the car. He he actually just smacks face first into a, a lamppost and then lands face first in the mud like an asshole. He looks dumb. And the girls laugh a lot, as I would and did <laughs> reading the book. <laughs> And then, they, and then they just keep walking. They're like, ah, Gary, piece of shit. And they keep walking. And Gary's just in the mud. And he's like, ah, I hate myself. I hate everything that's led up to this. I have many regrets in life. This sucks. I would rather be a tree because no one laughs at a tree. And I thought about that for a minute. And I was like, you're right. I don't know of a time where I've been like, that tree is fucking <laughs> getting it's so funny. I've never once thought a tree was was a good time yeah I, sometimes i see a tree with delight and i'm like oh look at that tree. that's a nice tree never laughed at one i've gotten mad at trees before. so gary's got a point sure yeah hmm? they get in the way but they're never funny <laughs> so uh w- once again he gets home he's <laughs> sorry he... <laughs> you're just so fucking serious about it <laughs> oh they're not they're not they're not funny. And then uh he goes he goes home. And once again he's gotta hide all of his scrapes and cuts because he doesn't want his mom to ask questions. He only may talk to him, so he's covered in mud and piss and blood and he just wanders up his steps and uh he decides uh, you know what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna change clothes and I'm gonna play on the computer. You know, I'm one of those guys that's just destined to be behind a computer a lot. Uh, low risk of hitting a lamppost in front of cute girls. I'll just play Planet Monstro. That's a new hop computer game. And uh, I've been playing a level. I've been trying to kill this dragon 
Got to figure out how to kill this dragon. Um, you know what? I'm going to go check online to see how to kill that dragon, because I've been trying to kill the dragon in Planet Monstro. I'm going to check this online bulletin board. This little place, it's, com it's called Computer Note. And people leave <laughs> notes and stuff and ask questions. This is neat. And a little bulletin board. I'm going to look for hints. Sorry. And he, <laughs> he, gets, he gets on there and he's, he's looking for hints. He's got his dial-up internet. It's 1994. It took him like a half hour. Once it loads... He, uh, at his little bulletin board, he, I don't he gets a couple answers for his problem, but he notices a message or like, it's an ad. Arnold calls it a message. This is an ad that says, take a vacation from yourself. Change places with someone for a week. And Gary's like, say what? Bum, bum, bum. So then he presses the enter button so he could read what was next. Now, that's the biggest problem I have in this whole book. Like, what is he using exactly? We're like hitting the enter key on a, on a uh, 1994 website would pro automatically progress to the next message in the thread or on the, this, this to me is the biggest. So anyway, it's a, it's a vacation from yourself. It's kind of like really what he should have said is inspiration was total recall because literally. That's what this place sounds like. Yes. Yes. But it's it says, take a vacation from yourself, change places with someone for a week, person-to-person -person vacations on Roach Street, suite to be, or call 1-800-555-SWAP. That's 1-800-555-SWAP to swap with the person-to-person -person of your choice. Do you think the suite to be was a... I was I was wondering if that was a B reference or if that was a no because that's twenty one B Baker Street that's a that's not a two B or or is this even is this a reference to Hamlet's soliloquy about uh, killing yourself in this children's two B or yeah um, B. so he's you know curious as as all kids are about the strange ads they see on the internet for me it was born for him it's a person-to-person -person vacation service but so he takes i was also on team porn i don't know why i had to announce it i didn't need to i could have let you have it but yeah you yeah you don't want to really that's not a like a high five situation that's more of a, like we we understand we grew up yeah. i just like to be part of I a mean, group you know so gary takes down the the information uh i believe he writes it down with the paper and pen because that's what you do and uh He's, he's like, I'm going to go there next day. It's right near my school, which is a hell of a coincidence because he is a child. So we need to get him to this building on Roach Street. But luckily, he goes to school near Roach Street, which is, I don't think his parents moved here for the school system. But he comes down to dinner. Mom and dad are just like, what the fuck happened to your face? Does that hurt? And he's just like, <laughs> yeah, it hurts. Why? And she's like, because it's killing me. And, they're, and then his mom and dad high five. And Chrissy's like, good one, mom. And they're just like, actually, they don't say any of that. They're genuinely concerned about his son. And he's just like. Yeah, they seem to be decent parents, all things. Considered. Yeah. Uh, he's, he says, like, uh, he finally fesses up to to wrecking his bike because his, Chrissy's just like, he probably got the shit kicked out of him by those three bullies. And his mom's just like, well, <laughs> we need to fucking stop that. I'm going to go call their moms. And he's just like, no, no, I wrecked my bike. It really hurt. So take that. And then his dad's just like, what do you mean? You, wait, wrecked the bike? Let's go take a look at your bike, buddy. And he's like, fuck. Like he, he had to pick like, this wasn't a lady or a tiger situation. This is a tiger and this, this smaller tiger situation, really. And he picked the smaller tiger 
But then, then his dad is just like, you should be more careful and always wear a helmet because that's a good way to get injured and you're going to have to pay for your stupid mistakes. And it was entirely his fault. So it sounds like his dad's kind of 100% in the, in the right on this one. He's like, yeah, like so, so you no-handed trying yeah. to... That sounds really rude. You no-handed trying to impress a couple girls, huh? Yeah, me too. Oh, you mean you didn't have your hands on the handles? No, that's <laughs> stupid, boy. Don't do that. You'll die. You will. So he's he's upset because he's got his allowance is gonna go fixing his bike. His bike's all trashed, so he doesn't have a way to get around. If only he could fly somewhere. So then he's like, "I'm gonna go play my computer game, Planet Monstro, which is totally a real game." And he's mad because the hint he got online, which honestly does sound like a typical gaming hint you get online, where it's literally no context. Just do this thing. It's just like I I understand you do that thing. Explain that 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 yeah. I've been trying to do that thing. It's the it's the trying part. I need to help with. Yeah, it's very much like a real. And so he's not able to kill dragon. He says like twenty three times. Can't even kill the fucking dragon. <laughs> Gets into bed, but then it touches something under the blankets. And he's just like, oh no, this has been a pretty shitty day. What else could happen? His blood turns to ice, and he jumps out of bed with a blood curdling scream. Bum bum bum. Oh fuck! What is it? Is it a homeless man? No. <laughs> Did he feel a tongue? That would have been wild. Oh, that would have been pretty. Would that have been wild if? What a twist! No, it was a rat. Still, it was a rat, and he screams, and then he's like, "Yeah, not great." Uh, personally, I'd rather have a homeless man. <laughs> um, but he could hear his sister laughing from down the hallway. <laughs> It's a gray rubber rat. They got him with the old gray rubber rat. Arnold Stein does like his fake animals. He really does. You know, like rubber rats rubber, and snakes and stuff worms like that. that anyway, actually rubber worms. R.I.P. Carly Beth's worm. Yeah, but then end up actually being rubber worm. Uh, and uh, he's like, God damn it! I just I can't take this anymore. I'm, I'm even teased in my own house. I can't get a break around here. You know what? In the morning, I'm checking out that ad. I'm doing it. I'm going all in on it. And so, next morning, he finds the address, which he already had written down. And it was right beside his school, so I'm not sure why he needed the address. But he's got the address. <laughs> I know the address. It's all and he makes to be sweet to be on Road yeah. Street. Six Road Street. Exactly. And so, he uh, he gets there. He finds the place. It's kind of an unassuming spot. Walks up to the counter. And a dark-haired woman sat behind a big glass window. And she smiled at me when I came in, and I walked over to her. Good afternoon, she said into a microphone. I jumped. Even though the woman was right in front of me, her voice came out through a speaker on the wall. Uh, uh, I stammered nervously. I came about the message on the electronic bulletin board. Oh, yes, the woman replied with another smile. A lot of people learn about us from their computers. Pardon me for <laughs> such an awkward phrase. I know. Like, 20, I thought that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, even in 1994, I felt so many people learned about us from computers. Like, just. From computers? Pardon me for staying behind this glass shield. Like, you guys get robbed a lot? What's going on in here? I, I was thinking, like, COVID. Yeah, it was a COVID. Like, I, I really did, uh, that not even as a joke, I was just like, of course you'd have, like, a thing in front of her. And I was like, oh, no. 
But the equipment behind me is so delicate, we have to be very careful about protecting it. Which is fucking weird, because she drags yeah. it to his house later. And doesn't even care that it's filled with bees. She's just like, don't worry about all these bees flying into it. That's fine. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Yeah, she's got a real fuck bees attitude. We'll get to that. I peered over the woman's shoulder. I could see gleaming metal counters and a wall of electronic equipment, including what appeared to be a heart monitors, video screens, x-ray machines, and cameras. It looked like something right out of Star Trek. I suddenly had a heavy feeling in my stomach. You probably you probably don't like kids hanging around in here, I stammered. I, I started to back away toward the door. The answer should be yes, she doesn't. Right, but she goes, not true. <laughs> this is where it gets fucking creepy, dude. Not true. Many of our customers are young people such as you. A lot of kids are interested in changing places with someone else for a week. What did you say your name was? Gary? Gary Gary Lutz? Nice to meet you, Gary. My name is Miss Carmen. How old are you? About 12? I nodded. Come over here for a minute, Miss Carmen said, motioning him with her hand. Right? No! Cautiously, I walked back over to the glass booth. She opened a little slot at the bottom of her window and pushed out a book. I picked it up and saw that it was a photo album, like the one my parents have from their wedding. It's the only photo album Gary knows. There's no photos. There's no photo album <laughs> no, of little Gary. The wedding photo. When the family wedding keeps us of their own. Well, room. technically, Gary yeah. is in that album. Yep. Yeah. That's right. His dad's balls. I opened it and started looking through it. It's kids, I exclaimed. All about my age. So many red flags, Gary. <laughs> no. oh if, a, if a stranger hands you a book and it's just, a, it's just pictures of children your age. <laughs> Buddy. Dozens and dozens and dozens of children. Some of them look familiar, like I'd seen them on the news recently. Like, get out of there. <laughs> Gary, oh my God, is that John Walsh's kid? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is Adam. <laughs> Correct, says Mrs. Carmen. They're all interested in switching lives with someone else for a week. A lot of the kids in the pictures looked big and strong and cool. Kids like that wouldn't be afraid of anything, I told myself. I wondered what it would be like to be one of them. body pictures of children, do you? At first I was thinking, like, shoulders Probably. Up. Like a headshot. Oh, yeah, God, I think it's full body. Right? And she just has one for kids. Like, assuming that other people use hmm. the service, she just has an album of children. And what's to stop yeah. it from, like, an adult yep. being like, I would like to be Susie for a week. Yeah. <coughs> There's no bylaws. This is all gross. She says, it gets worse, kind of. You can pick a boy, or even a girl, for that matter, to trade places with for a week, Miss Carmen was saying. But how does it work? I asked. Do I just go take over somebody's room and live in his house for a week? Go to his school, wear his clothes? The woman laughed. <laughs> it's far more interesting than that, Gary. With our getaway vacations, you actually become the other person for a week. Huh? And then she goes on to describe the what she considers a safe, painless method from which they switch minds and bodies. So his his mind goes to another body. Somebody else's mind comes into his body. She says, parents won't even notice. They won't even notice the difference. You'll be in someone else's house playing with all their stuff. And somebody will be in your house playing with all your stuff. And your parents won't be none the wiser. Your body becomes available for somebody else. Even though clearly she does know, like, 
I mean, we'll get to this later, but Dirk doesn't do his homework on, like, because the dad's just like, oh, yeah, Andretti's bees. And Dirk is just like, what are Andretti, the race car drivers here? Like, it's not like they get a dossier yeah. and they're just like, here you go. This is Gary Lutz. <laughs> you better speed read this because you got 10 minutes while I do this. You got 10 minutes and uh, you're also going to prom with this person. Yeah, it'd be tough. Um, and she's like, can I take your picture for our catalog? And, uh, Gary's like, yeah, you know, I do. And Gary's kind of uneasy about it because he's he's probably watched enough Stranger Danger videos at school that he's like, something about this seems familiar in a bad way. <laughs> and and so he's he's kind of uneasy. But he's like, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm not sure honestly about any of this. And she's like, look, why don't you go ahead, fill out the form, let me take a picture of you for the catalog. And then you can go about your merry way. And if somebody, if we get a bite, if someone comes in, sees what you got, sees the pictures, and says, oh, I want to be him, we'll call you back and see if you're interested in swapping. He's like, okay, I guess that wouldn't hurt for you to just have me on file. Uh, okay. So he goes through with it, fills out the form, asks him a couple questions, nothing major, nothing that you could just replace someone's life with, and uh, takes his picture and uh, lets him go. So on his way home, it's not. this chapter's not over yet. It was a rough chapter. I know, we're all sweating. It's uncomfortable. But it gets worse, for, for Gary anyway. As on his way home, he's jumped again by Barry, Mark, and Carl, Marv, Marv, and Carl. And uh, he, he after that, he's like, you know what? As he's wiping blood off his face and trying to recover from one of the worst purple nurples any man's ever experienced, he says, Tomorrow, tomorrow's the day. I'm gonna I'm gonna call that woman and I'm gonna go through with it. I'm gonna be another boy. Dub 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 I mean he doesn't. He he continues to be Gary and doesn't do anything of note. That is the weird I you know, I was bothered by that because the last words of that chapter are basically like Tomorrow, I'm going to call. And then when you flip over to the next page, it says, I spent the next few days waiting for her to call me. He didn't doesn't even explain why Gary. he didn't call. Like, this is Gary's problem. Like, Gary doesn't... Gary doesn't... Uh, like, he just seems very like, oh, I, I did something stupid and they laughed at me. Why? It's like, you don't... <laughs> Well, it's because yeah. you did something stupid. Why don't the Gary? other kids want me to play baseball? Because you left after two innings. What are you doing, buddy? Yeah, they already give you four strikes. Yeah. At least hang around. So he doesn't do any calls or whatever. He just he's just sitting on his haunches, waiting for a call to come to him. Guess what, Gary? You gotta you gotta pick up the phone and dial sometime. You know you can't. You can't be mm-hmm. waiting for that call. You need to be making... Anyway, he's always watching Mr. Andretti's bees. And one of them comes under, like, maple tree. And he notices that Mr. A's bee garage. I guess it is. Like, there's no car in there. It's it's a bee garage. Yeah. He calls it a garage a couple times. Yeah. <clears throat> there's a giant hole in the screen. And he's just like, well, that's that's a surely shitty situation but uh he, he he's like i gotta get out of here before like all these bees get out and mr a just laughs at him because mr a is kind of a piece of shit <laughs> like yeah you fuck their bees man like yeah they, you know people can be allergic mr andretti i don't know like anaphylaxis is not a joke mr a right it's not it's really not it's not okay yeah gary gets to safety unlike me 
he's not covered in bees when he runs into the house. But then the phone rings, and Gary <laughs> picks up the phone, and she's just like, what the fuck do you want? Because he thinks it's one of Chrissy's little friends wanting to gossip, and just like, Jesus, he's way more popular than you, dude. Like, if you yeah. pick up the phone in your parents' house, yeah, Gary. and it's more likely it's for the nine-year-old girl that lives with you rather than, like, anyone else, you need to get a friend or something. Like, she seems to be way more well put together. Like, maybe you could get some tips from her. Like, figures. Like, anyway, it's the, mm. it, it's Miss Carmen. And she's just like, oh, is this Gary, Gary Lutz? And he's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Someone for me. Oh, that's so cool. And he's like, don't worry. We, we found you, uh, we found you a, a boy. We're going to switch your mind into his body and his mind into your body and everything's going to be a okay. He wants to switch with you for a week and uh, I'll be there in about 20 minutes. And Gary's like, that's pretty cool and not suspicious or weird at all that you'll just be in my house in 20 minutes switching. Switching bodies, and you know, it's a great time because my parents aren't home, and neither is my little sister. She's like, that's perfect. Uh, there's nothing. That's that's amazing. She does say I that's can't perfect. wait to be in your house with you by yourself. And I feel like it's it's weird that this process can take place without both parties being present. Like, she just goes to him. Sucks out his brain. And then... And then leaves. I guess? Yeah. And then goes to Dirk. Dirk doesn't have to be there to have the... I don't understand anything. Yeah, because that means... Cause that, cause if you think about it, she's either already stopped by Dirk's house, in which case she has Dirk brain in her jar. Oh, his name's, his name's Dirk Davis, by the way, and Gary likes that. He's like, that's the coolest name ever, Dirk Davis. And it's like, yeah, if you're fucking poor, starting up your 12 year old, that's just. Yeah, you're a porn star or an eight foot tall basketball player from Germany, and that's it. <laughs> Dirk Davis. Uh, Dirk the Barbarian Davis for the the Pistons, um, right? Pistons that would be a good <laughs> basketball team for him. They have a yeah. I was thinking like Dirk Nowitzki was the Dallas. Dirk Davis does feel like a piston. Does she do that over the phone where she gets? There? Yeah, she gets over there. She hands him like the the dossier. So she shows up in nineteen minutes and fifty nine seconds, which is even spookier. Like comes on inside. She's just like I've got. My my doohickey. Oh, I was explaining why it made no sense. Because either way, she's gonna leave him on the floor with no brain in his body. Go back to Dirk, switch the brains around, then come back with Dirk's brain and then put it in there. And the whole time, Gary's just been lying on the floor drooling, probably peeing himself. Like I can't imagine his bodily functions are in. So like, what happens? Does she take? No, she just left him there. It's very weird. It's not a good system. As we find out, because they do it at the kitchen table. He, he's sitting. I, you know what? I just, I feel like Arl Stein has done a better job of explaining contraptions like this. Like even in the piano lessons or murder or whatever, there's some part of that system that yeah. kind of still made sense. Where you're like, okay, I kind of can follow how this would be happening. But this is so. It has to be Miss Carmen is a psycho rich described. lady who's just like, I like switching children bodies. Like there, it's got to be. There's no company. There's no business. It's one mad inventor yeah. who clearly doesn't know how to get a business off the ground because she she comes in here. She's like the delicate equipment that has to be behind a, a foot, a thick glass partition. She's just like sets on his kitchen table. She's left the door open or some shit because bees are just coming in left and right. Yeah. She's she like Gary's just like, open. why are there so many bees in that? It's just bees flying around. It's like, I'm kind of scared of bees. And also, isn't this equipment delicate? And she's like, don't worry about it. Here's Dirk. 
And she's like, I, I think she has her creepy little album book in there. And he's like, oh, he's like really cool. And she's like, yeah. he's athletic. He's good at skateboarding. And it, he's, Gary's just like, why does he want to be a piece of shit like me? I'm just a garbage monster. And she's just like, oh, he just wants your brain. He wants you to take math tests for him all week. Which, A, to me, sounds like, what a dick move, Dirk. Jesus Christ. And also Gary's like, oh, I'm pretty good at them. And yeah. the scariest thing is Miss Carmen's just like, oh, I know. It's like, how do you know about his grades, Miss Carmen? Yeah. And why does that raise a red flag in your brain, Gary? Because he doesn't talk about filling out a questionnaire or anything. It's just like... She drags him in front of the wall, tells him to take off all of his clothes, takes a full body picture of him, and then puts him in the album. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what uh, that last like, There's no questionnaire part of that. How does she know about his grades? Is there a reason why she's so close to the school? I don't know. I mean, I think there were a few questions on the thing, mm. but it wasn't like specific. It was like, right, who are your parents? And yeah, yeah. What are your hobbies? <clears throat> yeah. But, and like, Gary even says it as if like, Oh, yeah, I'm good at math. Like, he didn't even register that something being on his profile, basically. This is a weird MySpace. But, wait, is it Karen or Carmen? It is Carmen. Um, so. It's, it's Carmen. Uh, this Carmen's just like, I don't really care about bees. Boop, 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 boop. And she's like, don't worry. Dirk's not scared of bees. Bzow! Blinding whap. Whap. Wow. It's just, just a whap flash of light. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was hit with a wet ass then pussy zap, flash of light. Blinding white flash. <laughs> Fuck, sorry. It just, this is going to take forever. Then zap. <laughs> Fuck. I always get into this stupid. <laughs> I'll look away. Then zap. Blinding white flash. Whap flash. <laughs> Blinding whap flash. Then zap. Blinding white flash. Then all went black. Bum, bum, bum. <gasps> oh, my God. But something was wrong. Something wasn't right. Color started returning. Everything was blurry. He didn't feel right. My new body didn't feel right. I was lying on my back, and I felt light as a feather, light enough to float away. Could this be Dirk Davis's tall, muscular body? It certainly didn't feel like it. Because I felt Dirk Davis's tall, muscular body, and it wasn't like this. Was this some kind of trick, I asked myself? Was the picture of Dirk Davis a phony? Was he really a lot smaller than he looked in the photo album? I reached out one of my hands and tried to touch my stomach, but my hand felt really weird, too. It was small, and my arms seemed to be bending in several places at once. What's going on, I wondered, trembling with fright. Why do I feel so weird? Whoa! I cried out as I finally managed to touch my body. Yuck! My skin was soft and it was covered with a fine layer of fuzz. Dirk Davis must be going through puberty, I thought. And he didn't put that in there. Help! Miss Carmen, help! Something's wrong! I tried to shout. But there was something wrong with my voice. It came out all tiny and squeaky, little mouse squeaks. I rolled over onto my stomach and tried to get up. I spread my arms to balance myself. I gasped as I realized my feet weren't even touching the ground. I was flying. What's happening to me? I tried in a little squeaky voice. I floated forward and crashed into a kitchen cupboard. Ow, help me. I moved my strange new arms and realized I had some control over which way I flew. I felt some weird muscles in my back going into action. Testing my new muscles, I flew over to the kitchen window. 
Exhausted, I landed on the seal. I turned my head to one side, then I gasped in fright. A hideous monster was reflected in the window glass. The creature had two huge, glaring eyes, and it was staring right at me. And yeah, Gary's now putting it together. He's a he's a bee. He's a bee. Uh oh. Dum dum dum. I mean, he's he's straight up a bee. Yeah, he talks he's about a bee, like dude. Just checking himself out in the reflection. He blinks his eyes a couple of times. I don't think bees can blink. It must be metaphorical. But he's like, I don't, I don't look at all like Dirk Davis. I had two giant eyes, one on either <laughs> side of my head, and two skinny little antennas sticking out of my forehead. My mouth was truly disgusting. I had some kind of long tongue, which I soon discovered I could move all around and make longer and shorter if I wanted. Which I didn't. Which I didn't. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Ugh. I would have spent all day with my tongue. You know, that would have been... First day of being a bee, I'm tonguing all day. <laughs> I'm not even flying. Going I'll up to other bees. Later. Going up to other bees being like, dude, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, look at this <laughs> shit. It's like, we can all do that. It's like, look at... Yeah, hell, I go to ladybugs I mean, and show I, off. Honestly, Check this out, bitches. Just go lickety-slit. So, my body was covered with thick black hair. I had three legs on either side of my body. And let's not forget the wings sticking out of my shoulders. This is the pits, I cried. I'm a bug. I'm a disgusting, hairy <laughs> bug. Miss Carmen, something went wrong. Help me. So, Miss Carmen is uh, not very helpful. Basically, through this entire book, she... No. Can, the true villain of this book is is what seems to be just kind of a scatterbrained office worker, except she has tremendous power at her disposal and a book filled with pictures of children. Yeah. And so Gary's like, I need to come after her. <laughs> she's but she's leaving the house uh the house and he's just like oh, gotta go 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 quick before she drives off or some nonsense, flies out the back door, round to her car. And he's he's just trying to get her attention, so he's just like, he flies straight into her forehead. I'm going to say Gary does this Mm -hmm. repeatedly throughout the book without learning that people swat bees that launch themselves at him. And he's just like, Gary. Yeah. Kind of like how bees never learn. I guess it's kind of on point. He's a human being. That's true. Being. Ah, being. Yep. So she hits him. And he, he, he falls straight down the street, like, and he hits the ground hard, and he's just, boom. But Miss Carmen, again, scatterbrained, doesn't finish the job. Instead, just gets into her car. Gary's, like, putting the pieces together, get, getting his feet under him, looks up and sees the tire coming down on him, using the three tri- uh, eyes arranged in a triangle pattern on the top of his head to be like, oh, shit, there's a car tire coming down on me. Bum, bum, bum! Oh my god, he's going to get ran over by a car and the book's going to end before we even get to chapter two. Nope. It stops. Just shy of squishing sweet little honey-filled Gare Bear into the pavement. But uh, he, he flies. He flies up and the car stops. Sees she has stopped to fasten her seatbelt. Gary has the wherewithal to drop the seatbelts really do save lives quip, which is very appreciated. I'm sure a lot of organizations that R.L. Stein supported back in the 90s. I'm sure one of them was the seatbelt group. And they were like, can you get a little something in there about seatbelts for the kids? You know, just a little reminder in there for about the kids and the seatbelt. He's like, sure, sure, I'll find a way. So shy of killing a boy, he gets a little seatbelt uh, safety in there. And then she drives off. And Gary, he flies over to a leaf. 
He's sad. He's like, fuck, I'm a bee. And the, the only, the only person that can help me just drove away in a car. And I'm a bee. Damn it. And then he sees a caterpillar and he's like, God damn, y'all are ugly. I like that he took the time to just slam another species out of nowhere. So he flies over. He sees his mom. He flies back home, sees his mom's going inside the house. And uh, he flies over. He's looking in the window and he sees his mom talking to him. He's like, what? Oh, no. She's talking to Dirk Davis, who is now me, hereforth referred to as Fake Gary. Dirk Davis is now Fake Gary. He's become Gary, but he's not Gary. And G- B. Gary looks on. Uh, and he's jealous. He's jealous that uh, Fake Gary is calling his mom mom, which I guess would be a weird out-of-body experience. You're just like, but no, dude, that's my mom. Well, I guess it is your mom. It's weird. So he starts, uh, I, I do like when he gets exasperated, he describes himself as just yeah. buzzing and smashing into the window. Like, what else is he going to do? But it is kind of cute. He's just buzzing around. Uh, angry as a hornet, you might say. Um, he, he's like, uh, you know, all of this um, becoming a bee and having my life destroyed and seeing someone else uh, become part of my family. Goddamn, I have worked up an appetite. I am quite hungry. Uh, he's like, what do bees eat? Then there's this book he references a lot. I don't remember the name of it, but there is this bee reference book. The Big Book of Bees, I think, is what it was Big called. Big Book of Bees. Yeah. And he, he slowly remembers bits and pieces from that book throughout to help him stay alive as a bee for about a day. But he's like, oh, yeah, pollen. They eat pollen. I ain't going to find some pollen. Anyway, dad's home. He sees dad's home. And dad's walking toward the house. And Gary's like, buzz, buzz, buzz. Dad, buzz, 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 dad. And he hears his dad say, Oh, hi, Gary. <gasps> Did Dad see him? Uh, no. Dum dum dum. No, he was he was talking to fake oh, Gary, fuck. aka Dirk Diggler. But uh, as as the ultimate uh, nice. bit of just shit on Gary Day, Gary's just like, Dad, it's me. No, that's the fake Gary. And Dad uh, takes a newspaper to him. He's just like, Get this bee out of here. Bah! Real son, <laughs> come with me inside. <laughs> But B. Gary, he tries to go in with, with his dad and, and, and fake Gary, but he's too late and flies into the door instead. But he's just like, you know what? I need to get to Miss Carmen. She's the only one who can put everything back together. <laughs> he's going to be so disappointed in the stupidest possible way. But <laughs> it's just Miss Carmen is a f- nightmare. But he gets ready to fly. But then he gets pounced on by Klaus the cat. I keep wanting to say Klaus as if that's a nine-year-old girl in 1994 would name her cat. It's Klaus. Di I had yes. Klaus in my head the whole time. It wasn't until I started putting these notes together. I was like, oh, it's, it's Klaus. Klaus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. No, it's it's Klaus. Klaus di Katza. So, uh, <laughs> comes down and is about to take down Gary once and for all. Oh, man, this cat is probably so happy. He could probably smell Gary in there. He's just like, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> smell Gary. He's like, the cat was like, I smell bitch in this bee. And then, <laughs> and Gary was like, oh, man. Oh, man, I'm going to, I'm going to sting the cat. That's what I'll do. I'll sting it. I'll put my stinger in the cat. I don't want to have to do it, but I'll do it to save my own life. And he's like, wait a minute. Don't honeybees lose their stingers and die if, if they sting something? Uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to die. So he finds a way to escape before the cat noms on him. Oh, thank God. No one's hurt. So he flies up and away. He does a little victory spin because Gary's still kind of a piece of shit. 
And he does a little victory spin, like, ah, escape the cat. Screw you, Klaus. Klaus, you piece of shit. And then all of a sudden, he feels something uh, swoop around his body. And, oh, my God, he's been captured by Mr. Andretti's net. Oh, shit. Dum, dum, dum. Chapter 13, Dylan. Take it away. I'm going to – do you know Do you know what exactly it is uh, that kills the honeybee? Lay it on us. Yeah. What is, what is no, it? No, I'll tell you when Gary uh, does it because it is pretty fucking horrifying what actually happens. So Gary's quiet little death uh, could have been so much better. Uh, so only, much better. If only R.L. Stein had opened up his big book of bees and laid and then, into it, you know? Uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure his editor was like, you can't put that in children's book. <laughs> that, is, that is unacceptable. Like, I, no dogs and children cannot. So He's like, that's Fear Street business there, bud. You put that in the Fear oh, yeah. Streets. No, I think this would – this might even – Go beyond Fear Street a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read to you from a little bit from the beginning of this aforementioned chapter, chapter 13. From the loud humming sounds in my ears, I knew I wasn't the only bee Andretti had caught in his net. In fact, out of my right eye, I could see another bee who looked just like me. He loomed right in front of me and wiggled his antennas in my face. Whoa! What a monster! My wiry legs began trembling with fright. I twisted myself around and around, struggling to get away from him. I finally got myself turned the other way, but then I saw I was facing another bee. And another. Each one looked scarier than the last. They all had big, bulging eyes and creepy antennas, and they all buzzed menacingly at me. The frightening humming grew louder and louder as Mr. Andretti caught more bees in the net. Suddenly the net began to shake. Up and down, up and down, like a violent earthquake, until I couldn't even think straight. As the net shook, I lost my footing and fell into a big squirming cluster of bees at the bottom of the net. Whoa! I stumbled over the pile of wriggling, hairy bees. As I staggered in terror, bees fell on top of me. A crawling, buzzing nightmare. I'd never been so terrified. I screamed in my tiny voice. I tried to climb up the side of the net, but my feet were stuck under another bee's body. How I hated the feel of his disgusting fuzz. In my terror, I knew I had to escape. I had to get away from here. I had to get to Miss Carmen's office and beg her to help me. Then I had the most terrifying thought of all. If I couldn't escape, I suddenly realized, I would remain a bee for the rest of my life. Oh my god, that's heavy. Well, light, because bees are light. But you get what I mean. Metaphorically heavy on the soul. It's pretty heavy, heavy yeah. Why is everything heavy in the future, Marty? It's from back to the future. Heavy. Heavy. Uh, so, he's having some regrets at this point, but he sees Mr. A reaching in to take the bees out of the net, the ones that are still stuck in there, the one obstinate, stupid ones like Gary the Klutz. Oh my god, no, I'm doing it too. Well, that's the Klutz. Mr. A's, once again, not wearing gloves like he always brags about. My bees would never sting me. Ever, ever, never, ever, ever would a bee ever sting me because I'm so amazing. And... Gary is thinking, even though he literally just nearly died, and he decided, I will not use my stinger even to save myself from certain death. In this case, he's just like, should I die to teach this smug bastard a lesson? Bum, bum, bum! <laughs> yes. Yes, please God do it, because that would be amazing and kind of funny. Could you imagine if this book ended? The- and on it, spoiler alert, if he had... That's the funny thing. Every time he nearly stings something and then pulls back from it, he could have reset himself immediately. His death is what triggers mm. him going back to his own body. Yes. So really, every time that he's like, 
I'm going to sting him. No, I shouldn't because I could die. Is a moment he could have been home that much sooner. So this whole book is just like, oh, he could have been home if he had stung the cat. In chapter 13, he could have been, or 12. He, yeah. Like, chapter 13 could have started with, and I stung that fucking cat, and then I was in my body. And it's like, oh, that's that was a quick fix. We'll get into why that part kind of bothers me, but I'm going to blame it on page limits. We'll get there. But for now, he doesn't sting Mr. Andretti, because he's like, I don't want to die. Uh... So now he's inside the bee drawer. Which is which is a healthy attitude for yeah. a 12-year-old boy. He doesn't want to die. Sure. I mean, sir, he wanted to leave his own body, you know, a couple chapters ago and probably wish death upon himself. But now he's like, you know, I almost kind of see where this goes. So he's inside that bee drawer. It's a deafening hum. I imagine so. I, I was trying to imagine what life would be like inside of a bee drawer. And I think R.L. Stein does a pretty good job of making it a very claustrophobic, grimy, sticky, prickly, uncomfortable situation. Noisy. Yeah, yeah. noisy, buzzy. Uh, and the bees, he says one bee looks threatening. I'm imagining most of the bees are looking pretty threatening. It's just bees kind of have an aura about them. There's not. I've never seen a bee and been like, oh, he looks like he wants a hug. Most of the time it's like, oh, they don't want me to touch him. So anyway. There's a bee look threatening. Gary's like, oh, shit. I don't even know. Do bees attack other bees? I don't even, I don't remember that from my big bee book. I'm not real sure. But I'll tell you what, I'm fucking hungry and I need to hide. So uh, he's hungry. He's looking around. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit from the book here. He says, on the far wall, I could see a large cluster of bees busily building something, a honeycomb. And where there was a honeycomb, I told myself there was honey. I've always hated the sweet, sticky goo, but... I knew I had to eat some right away. As quietly as I could, I crept over and joined the bee workers. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw them doing really gross things with their mouths. First, they used their legs to pick little flakes of waxy-looking stuff off their abdomens. Then they crammed the wax into their mouths and started working their jaws up and down like little chewing machines. And finally, they spit out the wax and used it to build part of the honeycomb they were working on. Yuck! It looked so disgusting, it made me sick. But what choice did I have? I had to eat honey, even if it was covered with bee spit. I turned my head and practiced sucking my tongue up and down. Then I slurped up a big puddle of honey. Sounds like something we all used to do as young boys in our bedrooms for the first time. Right? Yep. Yeah, usually it didn't go in that order. You wiped the crust off your abdomen last. But anyway, amazing, he says. That was good honey. I guess I've been missing out. And he realizes, he's like, you know what? Being a bee's not so bad. I think, you know, I could probably get used to this. I'd be good at it. Fuck you, Gary. I'm sorry. Just right? <laughs> then he just, out of nowhere, gets really tired. He's like, oh, I am, I am honey drunk. And starts to just sink down into the hive, fade to black. Dum, dum, dum. Gary wakes up to another bee angrily approaching him. He knows that bees, like, buzz as, like, a matter of course. That's not like they buzzed angrily. Like, that. that's just kind of the noise they make. That's not an especially angry... That's not an indicator of anger. That's, that, that's kind of like a snake hissing. Like, it's not being mean to you. That's just, a, that's just how snakes do. He needs to calm down with anthropomorphizing these bees, is what I'm saying. Runs away... <laughs> I do enjoy the the thought of 
little little Gary to be running as fast as he can on all six legs, just like oh, I gotta get out of here. Um, <laughs> and he's, he's more angry. There's, some com- there's a lot of comedy in this. Like he describes a lot of things terrifying, but I'm kind of like yeah, finding yeah. them but adorable. Just th- yeah, because it's a little b boy. Uh, He's just like, are they mad at me because I'm not doing my, my special job? Because he remembers in his big book of bees and from his own observations around the hive that bees work night and day because they're busy as bees. He literally says that because he got to say that. And yeah. so he's like, are, are, are these to. bees mad at me because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, how do I tell them what my bee job is? Like, I don't know what it is. So, but then three bees come up to him and block his path. He's just like, oh, no, 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 no. This is Barry, Marvin, Carl, the bee buddies. They're just like the bee bullies, the bullies in the real world, but now they're bees. They're not actually bees. They didn't get the person-to-person thing. But one of these bees flips him the stinger, and Gary's just like, I know how to deal with this situation, and just books it again. Keeps, But he's bumping into another bee. This one's moving fast. It's going somewhere. And he's just like, me, I should follow it, because bees got to go out sometime. And this guy looks like he's going somewhere in a hurry, but he loses them almost immediately gets lost some more we're kind of in an upstairs downstairs part of this book where it's just like he's lost in this we hive are. and at one point it's just like are you what day is it this kind but, of chapter felt a little like almost like filler but more in a i'm going to paint this hive as a bad place that gary doesn't want to ever come back to yeah because it's just really it's just all that home. bees and the bees don't seem to like them but then he realizes he's back kind of where mr a dropped them in uh originally and then all these bees are around him now, and they're pushing and shoving him, in, which I don't even know. That's probably adorable. Like, watching a bee bully another bee, like, just being like, hey. Just, like, yeah, right. Bumping into each other. Just, Aw. <laughs> and he starts to shake from fear, because it's it's Gary, man. Come on. Why do you think these bees? Bum, bum, bum. Or bzz, bzz, bzz. Yeah, he bzz, bzz, bzz. Well, he closes his bee eyes. And he waits to be crushed by them, apparently. He says crushed. I don't know how that's going to happen, Gary. But he waits to be crushed. Nothing happens. Opens his eyes, realizes the bees, they were just shoving him out of the way so one bee could do a dance. So what is, what's going on? Is this, this guy about to stomp the yard? About to stomp the hive? Uh, but he, um, he remembers from his big bee book, oh, that's right, bee scouts who will leave the hive, they'll go out, they find food, they come back, they do a little dance just to instruct the other bees about what happened, where that where that food is. And uh, he's like, oh, that must be what's going on here. And then he puts it together, he's like, wait a minute, if this motherfucker left the hive scouting some food, he's back here dancing, that means there's a way out of the hive, there's a way out somewhere to food. How? Well, we're about to find out, because that's what this dance was all about. All the bees get in the line. Nice little orderly single file line. Gary hops in the back. He knows his place. They march toward the hole. Bzz, 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 bzz. Fly out of the drawer. Looking for that food. Gary follows. He's like, man, I'm never coming back here. Dude, I'm finally out of this fucking place. Hell yeah, dude. And then he uh, he kind of, for some reason, Gary breaks from the pack. He, go, he goes straight to where he knows that hole in the screen was so he can get the hell out of here. And he gets there. No hole. Andretti already patched that shit. He's like, damn it. So now he's disappointed because he's like, well, shit, that was how I was going to get out of here. So he flies over to the top of the bee drawer hive, sits on top of it, just chilling, thinking bee thoughts, wondering what what the fuck's he going to do now? i got to regroup. Andretti comes outside, sees one bee, Gary, on top of the hive. He's like, was that bee fucking sick? What's that bee doing? Goes to reach for him with his bare, weird, soft Andretti hands to grab him up. 
Bum, bum, bum. So I don't know what Mr. A was going to do to Gary, but Gary's just like, I don't want to know what happens to sick. He might feed me to his frog or to a pet bird or some nonsense. So he just books it out of there because he, re- he remembers he can he can fly. That does seem to be the, the solution a couple yeah. of times for some of these cliffhangers. <laughs> I got these these vzz on my wings. Yeah, let's I got go. Wings. But then he sees the other hole in the screen where bees are returning for food. This is probably a deliberate hole for the bees to come and go, because otherwise it defeats the purpose of keeping bees. This whole thing's kind of yeah. confusing, though. It's not really well explained where yeah, holes are and the, what's There going has on to be here. a way for the bees to get out to come back. So this is probably the deliberate hole, but not the giant hole in the screen that he saw earlier, mm. I'm assuming. But now he's excited. Although there's a moment where he's just like, I'm going to leave with... And the other bees are like, get the fuck out of the way and wait in line. He's like, nah, sorry. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, okay. No, uh, no, I understand. You were in line first. And then Gary goes. So he's super excited. He goes over to his house, flies in as his dad is leaving. He's, he's wicked excited to be back inside. Sees his sister. He's like, Chrissy, I'm a fucking bee. The number of times he tries to talk to somebody, infuriating infuriating it's like understand this this is the 14th person you tried to talk to and they're just like i don't hear bees (laughs) and then he's like wait a second Ah, gotcha (laughs) that that actually becomes a plot point (laughs) there's 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 so many unaddressed moments in this but like where dirk is like i could talk to other bugs like what is happening um yeah. <laughs> like i want to talk to dirk and be like what are you hearing like where the what the fuck is happening in the yeah world? how did this was this was happening before the beat anyway so he's uh he's like chrissy's gonna help me even though i fucking hate her and she drives me crazy whatever blah, blah. and chrissy's just like freaks out tries to chase him off knocks him out on the countertop and then he sees her coming back with a fly swatter at this point he's just like oh fuck Chrissy's known for literally, well, she's known for a lot of things in this house, but one of the things she's most known for is fucking being a monster with a fly swatter. Like, apparently uh, that's her trait. She brings down that fly swatter and he's like, my death is coming for me. She misses, which makes me think, like, are you really overstating? Because <sighs> she missed a stationary target on the countertop. She must have been with a fly swatter. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. She Must raises to swat again. Bum, bum, bum. And she fucking hits him multiple times. Whap, whap, whap. She, she fucking squishes our boy. And uh, he's uh, this is kind of fucked up because the whole time she's sw- just swatting him and probably parts of his guts are leaking out. And he's just screaming, stop squashing me. Chrissy, please, it's your brother Gary. And uh, he, he even says, man, why is she so bloodthirsty? Couldn't she just open a window and shoot me out? Jesus Christ. So uh, now he's pretty wounded. He's all beat up. And uh, he decides, uh, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going to stagger off and fly upstairs. I'm going to talk to fake Gary. I got a new plan. I'm going to get fake Gary to bail me out of this. That's right. I'll talk to him. Okay. Apparently talking to people is a thing that still might work in my mind. Hasn't yet. Maybe I just haven't said the right thing. So he, he flies up there. Fake Gary's conked out on the bed. Just out cold, dude. Because B Gary's walking on his face, buzzing in his ear, inside his ear. Oh, yeah. Buzzing. That'll wake you up. But fake Gary, Dirk, does not stir at all. And when I was reading the book, I was like, he's fucking dead. Gotta be dead. Gotta be dead. Uh, But 
B. Gary, he looks over at the computer and he's like, oh, yeah, I got an idea. I'm going to go over. I'm going to type a message. Now, I don't really think there's a keyboard out there where a B could have enough weight to push in a key. Maybe. I will I will tell you this because I have birds, as I pointed out. They are much bigger. And I will say that for our, our smaller bird who's around 40 grams cannot set off a key. So ah. unless he's a 40 gram B. There you go. I mean, I guess he could be going up in the air and just doing a bam, just like right into each key. Yeah. yeah. Buzzing down. Well, apparently works for him. He manages to type by jumping around on the different keys. I am not B. I am Gary. Hello, me. <laughs> Fucking typo. He fucked it up. He didn't type help me. And this is the old style computer where you need the whiteout to fix it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And uh, he's like, he sees fake Gary's over there stirring. No time to fix the typo. Which I'm like, nah, there's plenty. If he sees you typing, that's, that's more evidence. impressive. Yeah, that's actually better than you seeing a stupid message on there. You, you <laughs> just tried to wake him up. You were in his ear. Why does him waking up suddenly bad? I don't understand. <laughs> I didn't understand. I was upset. Uh, so Gary gets up. And he's getting dressed, and B. Gary's like over there on the computer table, like, buzz, buzz. Hey, motherfucker, look at the computer. Look. Fake Gary don't give no shit about no computer. He gets dressed and just walks out of the room. B. Gary's just hopping, just hoping fake Gary looks at the monitor. Will he see it? I don't know. Dum, dum, dum. So fake Gary leans in, because he does actually, he's like, oh, the computer. It's uh, it's on. Yeah, I said he walked out. He didn't walk out yet. He, yeah, yeah. he does interact. Yeah. 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 So he looks at the computer. He's like, did, did I leave this on all night? Stupid me. Turns it off without really looking at it and walks away. Uh... And like, Gary the Bee is just like, what the fuck, man? Be a dork. <laughs> so he, he he's following fake Gary now. Fake Gary goes out to the garage and he pulls out a skateboard. Now... We hear a long, tiresome story from B. Gary about how he got a skateboard for a mm. birthday present and he nearly died, quote unquote, and then he put it in his garage and never thought about it again. But as we know from Dirk Diggler's much more thoroughly researched and filled out profile, he's wicked good <laughs> on the skateboard. Yeah. And it turns, so like, B. Gary's just like, what the fuck's going on with this? And he follows fake Gary and fake Gary is just like, Goes outside with a skateboard. He probably looks so fucking cool. He looks like the JTT, I bet. Like, all the girls are just like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, shit, it's JTT. But Kayla and Judy come up to him. These are the two girls that saw Gary face plant into a puddle of mud after doing a really stupid thing on his bike the other day. They, and Gary's just like, oh, they're going to fucking they're gonna laugh in his face and he's going to start crying like I do every night. But fake Gary's just like, what's up? Caitlin Judy is like, you ready to show us some cool thrashing sessions on your board so we can learn? And fake Gary's like, cool, let's go. And they're like, we told some other hot girls from the school about it and they want to do it too. And he's like, that's cool. Let's go show them. So smooth, dude. And real Gary's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, shit. Am I the How problem? long would that be, though? Yeah, you see a guy in your body just killing it, and you're like, like yeah. okay, so I was blaming the wrong thing the whole time. Yeah, it's it's not it's not my my looks or yeah, it's literally not the outward appearance. It's what inside that matters, and what's inside for me is shit, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but so like, Gary the Bee is just like, I'll follow him. I need to I need to take notes down or whatever. Falls into the playground, gets into fake Gary's ear again, and she's like. 
motherfucker, I'm in a B. We need to switch. <laughs> Fake Gary is just not even paying attention because he's just like, yeah, yeah, we're going to thrash in some shreds. It'll be really totally cool. Let's just get away. And he like sw- swings at Gary the B and Gary just goes flying. Hits the ground again. B Gary then goes back to like thinking like, oh, I should probably go talk to Miss Carmen. It's like, yes, go to yeah, the person dude. with the machine. What's Dirk going to yeah. do? What? <sighs> so he's like, I need to go find. <sighs> I'm sorry. I just saw the cliffhanger for this one. And this is probably the most. It's terrible. I fucking. I was mad. Okay, we'll get there, my friends. There's there's a part in Misery. Yeah, I'm talking about Misery, the book by Stephen King. Yeah, where yeah. Uh, great movie, one of the best adaptations of a Stephen King. It's work. true. It is true. Uh, where I can't remember her name to save the life of me. Though. Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. I was talking about the character, but yeah, Kathy Bates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tells. Uh, the, the writer, he's just like, that's like a cliffhanger has to be honest. Like you can't, this is in the book. I don't know if it's the movie. A cliffhanger has to be honest. You can't just like show the hero exploding and then next week come back and say like, Oh, you didn't see that. Whoop. We changed the ending basically. You can't do that. That's, that's cheat. That's cheating bullshit. And I agree with, yeah, with yeah. Annie. It's Annie is her name. Annie, Annie Wilkes, Yeah. I think maybe. Yeah, it sounds right. Whatever. Yeah. So Annie, uh, and she's a psychopath, but she's fucking right. That's how you tell a story. You can't, if you write them into an yeah. impossible situation at the end of the chapter, you got to figure it out or you need to figure out a new ending. Anyway. If psychopaths are good at anything, it's telling stories. Exactly. Like, good. Yeah. <clears throat> I flew onto a tree and tried to figure out which way to fly. When you're an insect, everything looks different to you. Things that seem small to a person appear huge to a bee. So I wanted to be sure I didn't get myself mixed up and fly off in the wrong direction. Standing on a big leaf, I gazed up and down the block until I sure I knew which way to go. As I got ready to take off, a large shadow suddenly loomed over my head. At first, I thought it was a small bird, but then I realized it was a dragonfly. Stay calm, I told myself. Dragonfly is an insect, right? And insects don't eat each other, right? I'm going to interject here. I'm like, Gary, you're a okay. fucking okay. moron. I'm like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Insects don't eat each other. Like. It's one of their favorite pastimes. Yeah, yeah. Dragonflies, like, they love bee dinners. Like, I've, I've heard them say that <laughs> many a time. They're just like, give me a Stouffer's that's nothing but bees. Can you imagine that's that? Right, if you just yeah. opened up a Stouffer's after you microwaved it, and it's just filled with steaming hot Bees? Bees? Wouldn't it be cool, though, if he had stung the dragonfly between the eyes, like in the game? Yes! Wouldn't that have been kind of neat? Well, poetic? what's weird is That'd he calls neat. the caterpillar. He says the caterpillar looks like a dragon. Yeah. But then he comes across an actual dragonfly. Maybe this is actually his, his journey to being not a little shit. <clears throat> anyway, and insects don't eat each other, right? <sighs> That's just the stupidest thing. Like, what kid doesn't... I guess no one told the dragonfly... Before I could move, it zoomed down, wrapped its teeth around my middle, and bit me in two. Bum, bum, bum! You know what? The most metal ending of a chapter in any Goosebumps book. Right? But it was just his imagination buzzing away with him. It was just his imagination buzzing. 
away. Yeah, it didn't happen. It was all his imagination. It's explained away in less than a sentence. It's like, oh, I was just dreaming that. Anyway, so I fly on uh-huh. over to the person to person. Yeah, it I, it got a groan out of me. I was like, oh, R.L., you're better than this, bud. I know what's... Was March a little too busy for you, bud? You coming off hot off that horror land, and you just you flopped one for us, bud. You did a flop. Anyway, he flies over to the person-to-person place, waits for the mailman to put some mail in the mail slot so he can squeeze in, goes inside, flies up to Miss Carmen's office, flies up to her desk, full head of steam. He's determined. I'm not going to be a bee much longer. Smack! Right into <laughs> the clear glass window <laughs> the number of time gary hits a wall gary hits a door gary hits his sister's fly like swatter <laughs> barry's fist the guy is just i don't know how he's still together to be honest with you i mean he's a fucking yeah, bee. like that's that's the problem that's true Smacks into that glass separator. Completely forgot it was there. So did the reader. I thought it was great. I was actually kind of like, that got me on that one. Knocks him out. Uh, he gets up, staggers onto her desk, and he's like, Miss Carmen, it's it's me, Gary Lutz. Look what happened. Miss Carmen, can you help me? Dum, dum, dum. This is going to absolutely shock you, Travis. But when Gary the Bee tries to talk to Miss Carmen, she doesn't hear him. Holy shit. Nope, doesn't even react. She's just like, ah. But then Gary gets a fucking great idea. He sees the microphone. Finally. I don't Finally. think we mentioned the microphone earlier. But because I she's- did. I made sure to mention okay, it. Good. I leaned into that. So in the so she's she's got that microphone so she can talk to people in the office and like, I've got a clever idea for once. Goes to the microphone and starts squawking into it. And at this point, just like, okay. I'm willing to buy the fact that a bee with no augmentations whatsoever, mine's just got swapped, is somehow able to talk without vocal cords, teeth, a tongue, lips. These a soft palate. These are all things that are necessary to form human <laughs> speech. None of which a bee has. Well, their palates are probably chitinous too, so they're not even soft if they do have palates. I'm, I'm guessing. Your guess anyway. is as good as mine, and I didn't even have one. Also, is he going to sound like he's at like? Double speed too. Like he's still, he's still gonna be I like. Was about that. <clears throat> I I thought about doing a B voice for him I'm, throughout, I'm but I was like, that, nah. No. People would rather kill themselves than hear me. Yeah, do that, I mean, so. did you hear what I just did? No one wants to hear that for extended periods of time. Miss Carmen, mm-hmm. I shouted, putting my mouth next to the hard metal. Miss Carmen. Her eyes opened wide. Her mouth dropped open in confusion. She stared out into the waiting room, searching for the person speaking. It's Gary Lutz. I called out. And I'm down here on your microphone. Miss Carmen stared down at the microphone. Excuse me, it's Ms. Carmen. It's not Miss. Miss. Yeah. Then her eyes narrowed in fear. What's going on? Who, who's doing this? Is this is this a joke? No, I cried. It's it's no joke at all. It's really me, Gary Lutz. But but she stammered. But no other words came out. What's the joke? How are you doing that? Her voice was so loud the sound waves nearly blasted me off the microphone. You don't have to yell, I cried. I can hear you. I don't believe this, she explained in a trembling voice. She stared down at me. It's all your fault, I shouted angrily. You messed up the transfer operation. When you made the switch, one of my neighbor's bees must have gotten into the machine. So instead of putting me into Dirk Davis's body, you put me into a bee. Maybe she sets up 
the machines at two different locations. So she doesn't mm. just like suck out one of their brains, go to the other person's house, put their brain in, then go back to the first person. Maybe she went to Dirk's place, sat him in a chair, popped a cap on his head and said like, all right, in 20 minutes, don't fucking move. I'm going don't over to up. Gary's house. Don't move. Stay. It's crazy that I do want to know more. I have to know how this works. This is such batshit. Just. <laughs> these one-man operations, just. Miss mm. <laughs> Car- Ms. Carmen blinked. Then she slapped her forehead. Well, that explains it, she cried. Come on, Miss Carmen. That explains why Dirk Davis's body has been ha- behaving so strangely. She picked up some papers on her desk and started putting them into her briefcase. I really must apologize, she said. I feel really bad, Gary. This is the tone I think she's actually delivering. Like, I don't think she's... Yeah. Like, <clears throat> we've never had a mix-up like this before. I hope... I hope it's at least been interesting for you. Interesting, I shrieked. It's been a nightmare. You want to believe what I've been through? I've been attacked by screen doors, cats, fly swatters, you name it. You yourself almost ran me over with your car. All the color drained from her face. Oh, oh no, she cried, her voice a whisper. I'm so sorry, I I didn't know. Well, what about it? I asked her impatiently. What about what? What about getting back into my body? Can you do it right away? Miss Carmen cleared her throat. Well, I could, she replied slowly. Normally, I could transfer you right back, but there's a slight problem in your case. What kind of problem? I demanded. It's Dirk Davis, Miss Carmen replied. It seems he's become very attached to your old body. He likes your house and your parents, too. In fact, he even likes your sister, Christy. So? I cried. So what's that supposed to mean? Miss Carmen stood up and pushed in her desk chair. It means, she said, that Dirk Davis is refusing to give up your old body. He says he absolutely won't go back to his old life. He plans to keep your body forever. Bum, bum, bum. And Gary's all like, what the fuck? That can't be, that can't be right. You can't allow that. There's going to be some negative buzz on Yelp. I'll say that much. She says that, well, there's nothing she can do. He can, Gary, you can just go wait in the hive to see if Dirk changes his mind. That's all you can do. You just wait to see if he changes his mind. She's like, I feel bad. I mean, I feel bad. I want to help. But I can't just go around convincing boys to change their mind. You know how hard it is to convince them to even show up here in the first place and let me take pictures of them? I don't want to press my luck, Gary. And then, whether it's real or not, whether she feigns it or she's legitimately upset, she leaves the room in a bit of a, I don't know, uh, steamed tussle. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But she just leaves the room upset. And inadvertently shuts the door, leaving Gary inside, shut inside a room that he now can't escape because B's not great with doorknobs. So, Gary, flying around, trying to figure out a way out, he does see Dirk's paperwork and his address on a piece of paper on her desk. So now he knows where Dirk lives. That's good. We'll keep that uh, in our pocket. Maybe he can go over to OG Dirk's, the original Dirk's house. And he'll know how to get the body back. He'll talk to him and be like, hey, man, we're kind of stuck. Do you want to maybe figure out a way to get our bodies back? It's weird that you hadn't thought of it yet. You've not been kind of upset about it. But here I am. So maybe we can work together. And as he's flying around, he looks on a calendar. And Miss 
uh, Carmen's office and he sees that, oh shit, it's Friday. I got to get out of here soon because she, if this is freaking weekend, baby, she might be planning a, a, a vacation. She's not going to be back for at least two days. You know? Fuck, I'll die. In two days, I'll die. There's no pollen in here. I absolutely die. I need to find a place. Oh, look, a bathroom with a window. I'm going to leave now. Nice little, nice little MacGuffin, little escape. Oh, God, I'm going to die in two. Okay, there's a window. There's a way out yeah. immediately. Solves the problem. So leaves. Uh, goes over to OG Dirk's place. We're calling him OG Dirk, the original Dirk, original gangster Dirk. Uh, sees him out in his yard, and this is hilarious to me. This is my favorite part of the book. Gary tries to talk to Dirk. He's like, as a bee, Dirk, hey, it's me, Gary. And Dirk like just grins at him like, oh, hey, a bee, hey, bee, hey, bee. And uh, he's not actually talking. He's just grinning. But he has that look on his face like he's saying, hey, there's a bee. He can't effectively communicate at all. He just picks up a flower, shoves his face into it, does a big sniff, and then just grins all dumb. And I'm like, God damn, I love this guy. And then Gary's like, oh, fuck. Yep. Dirk has a bee's brain. Okay, shit. Well, he's he's honestly a little too dumb and hopeless to help me out. And this is sad. This is sad. This is just a boy wandering around a yard, sniffing plants hard. No one's helping him. No one gives a shit. No one's ran outside to be like, are you okay, Dirk? And the parents don't fucking... Like, imagine what his parents, like, overnight, instantaneously, their son is gone in his brain. Like... <laughs> yeah. And Miss Cartman is just like, eh. no he's wonder he's acting so weird. Like she's not even any more concerned. She's still running the business. Like she has a something got fucked up. She knows something got fucked up. She's like, oh, that explains why Dirk's like just fucking trying yeah, to not, eat a flower. Like, <laughs> oh, good. Load off my mind. Anyway, I'm gonna go home for the weekend. Bye. Like, <laughs> yeah crazy <clears throat> i also love the little detail of like dirt keeps sniffing flowers and looking up and his whole like bottom part of his like face mouth and nose is just covered in pollen ah so good so gary's like well this is sad i'm gonna go back and see if i can get fake gary to give me his body back i mean i've tried once it didn't work uh that's all i got i'll just go over there and annoy him maybe maybe we'll we'll have a breakthrough and he heads over and he finds fake Gary getting ganged up on by who else? Barry, Marv, and Carl. Uh-oh. Dum, dum, dum. Now, Gary the Bee's a little concerned because he's just like, well, I may not be in that body, but I hope to get back to it soon and I hope it doesn't get too damaged. But it turns out that Barry, Marv, and Carl, they were backing away from Gary the Fake. And Marv is, like, Marv has got his hands up. He's just like, don't mess with me, all right? All right? Come on, Gary. Don't, don't I promise, don't break my other thumb, all right? Like, just don't hurt me anymore. <laughs> I, I promise I will get you the money. <laughs> Fake Gary's just like, hey, losers, why don't you go take a hike before I make oh, you yeah, regret dude. being alive? Also, Marv, tell your mother I'll be there at nine, and I'm not fucking kidding. <laughs> Man, I wish. I wish. So, Gary the Bee is just like, listen, if fake Gary can mess with these goons, you know what? I think it's time Gary the the Klutz becomes Gary's Got Nuts and decides that he's going to... I managed to pull something out, and it wasn't my no nuts. You did great. It was... I was panicking yeah, for you, and oh, I was like, oh, nice. Uh, and decides he's going to have a little, a little fun of his own. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, because that's literally what he says, but... 
I decided I'd have some fun with them, too. I swooped down and landed on Barry's nose, buzzing as loudly and menacingly as I could. Yow! He shrieked in surprise and swatted himself on the nose. I was too fast for him. <laughs> I was already on Carl's ear. Carl cried out and toppled backwards into a thorny rosebush. Then I buzzed round and around Marv. Get away! He shouted angrily, and I flew right into his mouth. His scream nearly deafened me, but it was worth it. Marv started spitting and choking and gagging. I flew up into the air laughing so hard I nearly popped my antennas. That was the most fun I'd had <laughs> since becoming a bee. I watched the three gorillas run away. That's a nice moment. I'm glad that Gary... Because at, at a certain point you could be like, oh, I guess he sort of got his comeuppance because the bullies think that he beat them up. But Gary actually went down there in a more fragile state, technically. I think this is the turning point for yeah. Gary where he's actually like kind of taking ownership of the fact that he's a... Yeah, and he's got to do something to... He's got to be somebody. You know what I mean? Just so many B-jokes. So he he, he goes back <laughs> home, flies in through the window, and tries to get fake Gary's attention. And fake Gary's just like, get out of here. Go. Go on. Beat it. I'm trying to relax. And B-Gary's just like, what, you can hear me now? And fake Gary's like, yeah. Like, wait, what? Wait, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can yeah. totally 100% hear you uh, as previously implied by Dylan and Travis. I had to read that part a couple of times. I was like, he can? He, so apparently... <laughs> now? So this is <laughs> this is leading credence to my theory that there's two... The transfer receiving device on each child, and then she presses a button, and it transmits. So she's already hooked up Dirk. Mm -hmm. She's going to tell them that it was two separate people, like, oh, yeah, someone else is helping Dirk out. But it was actually, she's, like, running back and forth between each location. <laughs> and then the bean must have got into, like, a central unit, and then... As their personalities are transferring, it goes like the bees on a wire or something, kind of like the cat in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation chewing on the wires. <laughs> and instead of being electrocuted yeah. and turned into a first splotch, it gets Gary's brain in there. And then the bee must have left. And Dirk, Dirk being further away, it took his brain further to travel and had an uninterrupted path to Gary's brain. Except there's still some bee particles in the wiring. So Dirk is like, I can, I can kind yeah. of pick up other bugs talking, but we're not going to mention that. Uh, cause fuck you. I'm not giving your body back. And he's, he's yeah. like, I can't believe you wanted to leave this life. Parents are great. Got a good life. Like your sister's okay. Whatever. Like, cat is the best <laughs> fucking cat I've ever seen. Like, Klaus? He talks up the cat, shit. yeah. Klaus is, like, a fucking good dude, man. Like, he lent me five bucks the other day. Like, good cat, man. Solid cat. And B. Gary's just like, what the fuck, man? I'm in a B. Like, fuck the... the. Yeah, I was I'm also thinking just now, it's just like, there's a lot of children that are in, like, terrible, 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 terrible lives that would probably look at Gary's life and be like, yeah, go fuck yourself, buddy. At least your father doesn't beat yeah. you, all right? All right. Yeah, and we'd almost rather be yeah. bees. So Still. go take your fucking bee attitude and shove it. Vagary at one point is just like, I really hate to kill you, but I will fucking kill you. So you need to leave. Like, he's just like, I don't want to swatch you, <laughs> but let's, let's not. I, I will. I will kill to keep this life. And which makes also, me think, how bad was Dirk's I, life? Right? It makes you wonder, right? Mm. I the whole time I was like, poor Dirk, because he's out in the yard just sniffing right? flowers. No one gives a right? fuck. Oh, man. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Sad. I think Dirk's got, like, some real home life issues or whatever. But. I agree. <sighs> B. Gary's pretty upset. He's flying around. And then 
he's like, I wonder how much, I wonder how long a bee's life is. And then his bee brain comes up with, hey, they die in the fall. Peace. And like, he's just like, motherfucker, it's August. He's like, hey, Gary, it's not like month based, you know, like you might die sooner than that. <laughs> he's like, he's really regretting ever wanting to be someone else. But then suddenly three bees grab him, just grab him and start dragging him away. And he's like, I'm not going back to the fucking hive. You can't take me back to the fucking hive. No. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. What are these? The fucking bee police? And I'll tell you, it's never really explained what these bees are up to. Like, we suspect they're dragging it back to the hive. But the thing is, Gary was never an original member of the hive, as far as no, we no, know. No, so it's no, like, no, he's kind no, of a no, foreign no, bee. No, 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 Oh, because he was the bee that came in and from the windows, Mr. Andretti's bee. That, that's a true existing bee. But he's not he's not behaving as well as the other bees. He's not being a good bee. I, so they I'm, come, I'm they drag him away. I'm you didn't grab a hold of behaving. Mm, they're not beehiving like a good, okay, no, good bee. Nope, He's no, not. You overworked it. You overworked it. Okay. All right. That's my. I'm still working on a few. I got a couple more. Uh, but uh, they drew. They draw their stingers on him as if they're cops, which I thought was fun. And they they grab him and they start flying away with him. And he's he's stuck. He can't can't move. And they drag him up past Gary's window. And uh, he sees this as an opportunity. He sees Gary in there. He screams at Gary. He's like, Gary, fuck you, Gary. And Gary, who's fake Gary, uh, is like, go away. But he takes a chance. B. Gary takes a chance. He's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break free. I'm going to bust through that window. And I'm going to get these bees to follow me. And he does. He sp- bee sprints out of being uh, all wrestled around and goes into his own bedroom window and flies at Gary and... Fake Gary sits up. He's like, fuck, there's multiple bees now. He says, get out. And uh, sensing that this is not enough bees to really get Gary's attention, uh, fake Gary's attention, B Gary decides, I'm going to go back to Andretti's hive. I'm going to round up more bees. I'm going to come back hot. And we're going to get, something's going to happen. I mean, either somebody dies of bee stings or I get my body back. Or both. I'll settle for both. And so he does. He heads toward Mr. Andretti's garage, gets in through the hole, goes into the hive, and just stirring up other bees, dude. He's in there. He's talking shit about the queen. He's like, fuck the queen, dude. He's bouncing. He's kicking them in the nuts, kicking them in the bee nuts. He says, honey's gross to their face. He does, And now the bee, the roaring hum. Ah, they're mad. Oh, they're, they didn't like Gary saying any of that <clears> stuff, <throat> especially the thing he said about the queen. That wasn't very nice at all. Now they're an angry swarm. And uh, he's going to, he's like, all right. And, and somehow he didn't get, like, grabbed in that whole thing. And he back out of the hive. Now he's got all the bees chasing him. And all the bees are chasing him all the way back to Gary's room where fake Gary sits all cocky. And uh, busts in through the room, through the window. Immediately the bees swarm. They cover fake Gary head to toe. Cover all of fake Gary's body, which is technically Gary's body, which is kind of weird. You'd ruin your body. But he, he's he got to do something. And... uh Fake Gary is like, help, God, please, help. He says, uh, I dropped down onto the tip of Gary's nose. Have you had enough, I demanded? Are you ready to give me back my body? Never, he cried. I don't care what you do to me. You'll never get your body back. It's mine, and I'm keeping it forever. Whoa, I could not believe my ears. I mean, he was covered in bees. 
and he still wouldn't listen to reason. I didn't know what to do. The other bees were starting to lose interest. Some of them drifted to the plate of honey. Most of them floated back out the open window. There was a plate of honey nearby. Old uh, fake Gary was chowing down on some crackers mm-hmm. and honey. You can't get away with this, Dirk, I screamed. With a furious wail, I whirled around. Then I stabbed my razor-sharp stinger deep into the side of Gary's nose. Ow! He let out a high-pitched shriek and grabbed at his nose. Then he staggered backwards and fell over onto the bed. Yay! I cried out in celebration. For one instant, I felt triumphant. A tiny bee had defeated a huge enemy. I was victorious. I had won a fight against the giant, referring to his own body, by the way. But my celebration didn't last very long. I suddenly realized what I had done. And I remembered what happens to a honeybee after it stings someone. And Dylan will let us know shortly after I finish this chapter. I'm going to die, I murmured weakly. I stung someone, and now I'm going to die. Bum, bum, bum. He's getting weaker by the second. Because what happens when a honeybee stabs someone is their stinger is, as mentioned, barbed. And remains in the skin of the person that they're stinging into. I believe that is so more and more poison gets injected in there. But what happens is the bee doesn't just leave their stinger, but a lot of extra bits too. They basically disembowel themselves after they sting someone. So mm-hmm. Gary ripped out his own guts. I feel like he would have noticed is all. So he's not feeling too good, but he wants to. Stage. Do you think the reason this happens is because he stings himself? Do you think there's something with that? I think it's just because... Like a lot of his DNA melds back into his own body? I have so Sorry. many questions. I was trying to do one know, of your things. I, I was like, like I want to fill a plot I'm hole. thinking like, what, but like, there must just be some sort of snapback effect. Because think about it this way, like maybe Miss Carmen needs to like... She made a way so she doesn't have to like go back to them to switch them out. It just happens automatically, maybe. Because other wait, why is Dirk stuck in there? Like, what's happening? I don't understand how this. Works. Well, it did happen over open air. We've we've determined that. So yeah. yeah, I guess anything's possible in this this crazy mixed up world where Ms. Carmen just files her business license to transfer children into other children endlessly. Jesus Christ. So, he wants to stay strong enough to tell his family goodbye, because he is dying. He is actually dying. This is a child dying in a book. It's getting harder to breathe. I mean, most of his guts are strewn across Gary's own nose. He's feeling tired and weak (laughs) and floating outside. Crashes into the grass one final time as the world grows darker around him, fainting from view, basically. Oh, God. But then he comes to and he's like, I've only got two arms and two legs and no wings. I'm, I'm human. He gives himself a big old <sighs> hug because he's like, what happened? How did this happen? I'm a person again. I'm Gary. No longer Gary the Bee or fake Gary or Gary the Dirk. I'm Gary. <laughs> he runs inside. He sees Chrissy, gives her a big hug, kisses her on the face. She's like, get your cooties off of me. He sees mom and dad. He's like, oh, my God, you guys. And he, they'd be like, you can't go into your room. It's like fucking filled with bees. 
And he's like, <laughs> I love that. Part too. <laughs> he's like, Mom and Dad, I missed you so much. I love you. And they're like, I, Okay, are you okay, buddy? And he's like, you, You've never, you haven't gone any, you haven't gone anywhere. You okay? And he's no, I just, I think we should, I think we should spend more time together. Oh, uh, you know, oh my God, I love you guys. <laughs> you're, you're my best parents. And like, can you go get Mr. A and get the bees out of your room? Cause like, the fuck, man, come on. He's like, he's like, you know what, guys? Fuck Mr. A. And just opens the room and they're like, whoa. And he's like, you can't open. He's like, I'm not scared of bees anymore, motherfuckers. You know why? I've mm-hmm. been what I'm scared of. And they're like, the fuck is wrong? You're going to go to that therapist because you need to see someone. <laughs> like, we know a guy. He helps He helps kids deal with sublimating their fears about moving and shit. But hey, Gary's just like, get out. Come on, shoot, guys. He's he's like, I, I'm, I'm almost happy to see them again. This is great. These are my friends. Hey, B-bro. Hey, David. How you doing? Hey, Carl. Love what you've been doing with the place, Carl. Like, he takes the, the crackers covered in, in honey, tosses them out the window, chews out the last of the bees. He's just like, ah, it's like, are you? I mean, I don't even care how you're answering this question, if, if you're fine or not, because you're still going to see a therapist, because this is fucking weird. And Gary's just like, I'm fine. I'm just fine. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Now we fast forward. We're here on the last chapter, folks. We made it. He's reflecting. It's been about a month since uh, this whole thing went down. And, you know, this short life he had as a bee really changed Gary, you know. Things are turning around for him. He's talking to girls now. Uh, he's less nervous overall around folks. Uh, he really appreciates his uh, his family a lot more. His own life, you know. He's, uh, he's no longer scared of Barry... Marv or Carl, in fact, they're a little afraid of him. And he's even somehow better at sports, you know, especially skateboarding. Like to go down to the playground show off in front of the ladies. He still gives lessons to Judy and Caitlin. They don't make fun of him anymore for smashing his dumb fucking face off a light lamp post showing off. They think he's a rather cool guy nowadays. And as the book wraps up, it says... The other day, I actually ran into Dirk Davis at the playground. At first, I didn't want to talk to him, but then he turned out to be pretty nice. He apologized to me. I'm sorry I tried to steal your body, he said, but things didn't turn out so well for me either. That bee flunked all my math tests in summer school. And he's dead now. We both had a good laugh about that. And now Dirk and I are friends. (laughs) So all in all, my life is back to normal. I feel terrific, totally normal. In fact, I feel much better than normal. It's so great to sit here in the backyard reading and relaxing, smelling the fresh fall air, enjoying the flowers. Mm-mm. Those hollyhocks are really awesome. Excuse me a moment while I get up and take a closer look. That blossom down near the ground is so perfect. I think I'll get down on my knees and take a quick taste. Do you know how to suck the pollen out? <laughs> I figured out the best way. It's it's not as hard as it looks. You just pucker your lips and stick your tongue way out like this, see? Then you dip your face down into the blossom and suck up all the pollen you want. Try it. Go ahead. Mmm. Go ahead. It's easy. Really. And that's how the book ends. Sort of a, a boy climaxing as he sniffs a flower. But, you know, that's it. That wraps it up. We do not know exactly why he's afraid of bees, because he ends the book not being afraid of bees. Weird. Title, weird book. 
Also, I, I need to point this out. Bees don't eat pollen. They eat nectar. Thank you. Just, I just, I feel like someone was screaming that at the, the whole podcast. I'm so sure they were screaming about a lot of things that we said and did. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What did 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 you what did you think of this oh, one? Because buddy. this is one of the ones where going over it, I think, has changed my opinion. Maybe not changed my opinion, but worsened my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's it's low, 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 low down there for me. Even the good parts were just silly. It's too many plot holes. There's too many there's not enough. <sighs> I guess situationally it's stressful, but it didn't have that flavor of spook that I like. Like one day at Horrorland yeah. is my vibe. Uh, being, you know, honey, I shrunk the kid. This, this, this whole book was just like Rick Moranis gone wild. It was situational comedy disguised as something scary. And just, not, which is t- not bad, but it's not like on par with some of the, my favorites. So in all, my rating scheme. Would be I'm gonna have to give it one lousy beekeeping neighbor out of a potential seven. I'm I I'm gonna give it one sad dead bee on a windowsill <laughs> out of a billion no, dead bees. No, just, but uh, yeah, I was okay. This might be my first one one star because it's. It, it, is it does me. have a weird hold on me. I'm not entirely sure why. Like, if it was just like the cover's fucking upsetting. It's not great, but it is memorable. Yeah. There's something about it. Like, it sticks out. It could be the orange. It could be the bright colors. It could it's be definitely anything. one but... that I, I, I think because I didn't like it that much as a kid, always ended up being where I could find it. You know, the ones I really <laughs> liked, like Girl with the Haunted Mask, I'm pretty sure I read the cover off of that book. Uh, Girl with the Haunted Mask. Jesus Christ. I'm I'm back there You're again. Back I, I'm ways. back to my old ways. Yeah. Um, reminiscing about my childhood and not book I read a couple months ago. Uh, but uh, this one I was probably like always on the bookshelf, and so it's just like oh fuck, I need a bumper to read to because it's you know I got I got a serial. This is a perfect length book as a kid to read while you're eating a bowl of cereal or two or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like it's the perfect length for that. Heck yeah. It takes me like two hours to read these books, so it's like well, a long notes. sandwich. You take notes too. So. That's true. It's it's yeah. actually like a four course dinner for you. Just imagine you like in a full dinner jacket <laughs> and everything with your goosebumps book, and you're just like, no, no, bring back the the fifth entree, and I'm gonna try that. Now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's definitely one of those ones. Like, oh boy, pretty sure as a kid I was like, eh. and as an adult I'm like, oh boy. Like, Ms. Carmen, the whole business, how it works, like, it's so vague. It reminds me almost of, like, the the watch short story in Stein Tingler's, where, it, like, he describes a smartwatch as if it's, like, a filled with gears and cogs and things. And she's like, do you know what a smartwatch is? Because she's like, <laughs> I picked it up and shook it and it tinkled. And she's just like, what are you talking about? Like, it just... It, and I see some of the trivia up ahead. I think we should get to the trivia because I think that might actually explain a couple things. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. So apparently, and this is according to the Goosebumps wiki site, which I, I take with a full spoon of gospel. I dare not doubt anyone who puts together a wiki. Oh, yeah. Um, Wikis are known for being error-free. <laughs> 
But they do include a source here. So Parachute Press once admitted that after the 16th book in the series, notice this one is number 17, uh, Stein sometimes had freelancers adapt his story outlines into draft manuscripts with Stein revising or or rewriting the product. Since the 17th book was when Stein reportedly started receiving assistance, that might imply that this book was partially ghostwritten. And I believe it. And as soon as I read that piece of trivia, I was like, okay, I f- it feels, it made me feel better about not liking this book as much. Cause I was like, well, this isn't a full jovial Bob. This is, this is, this had other hands in there. He went through, he's pressed for time. He's like, I know we got to get the book out. You can't out. use that as an excuse for every book thereafter, though. Cause we just have to accept True. these as. Some of them are going to be duds, but I think this one, that evidence, like they said, the first 16 were written by him. And then after that, ghostwriters, 17. Has to have. Oh, yeah. This has to be. This is the one that we know it was uh, not completely um, R.L. Stein's work. I I would think so. And I think it, I think it shows, dude. I, it's there's there's too much in here where it doesn't feel like him. And part of it too is the whole like the you know it's it's like you were saying at the beginning of the podcast the the page count limit where like how much room do they have to explain how this bizarre technology works or whatever and. Uh, they had three pages. They could have done a lot with three pages. That's true. They could have done. Ended at one hundred and seventeen. Usually they go to one twenty. They and who knows? Maybe he maybe he saw a bunch of shit and cut it out and was like, "No, we're not. Don't. We're not this, using that. This is not my anymore. style. He's out of here. <laughs> That's his face on the front of the book. He's just like you're a fucking bee now. R.L. Stein actually killed him. That guy's like a, a an actual ghost writer now. He's oh, Jesus. Not real. It's not even a bee pun. It's just yeah, just one. Yeah, just this little fun pun. Also, apparently, despite the misleading title, I think I already mentioned this, uh, the book doesn't actually tell us why Gary is afraid of bees. Instead, the book starts with him already afraid of them. The book also ends with Gary no longer being afraid of bees. I don't feel like that's a mistake R.L. Stein makes often. He's usually very clear about how the titles and, and uh, endings go. And then technically, uh, Gary, and you didn't bring this up, uh, you pedantic fuck, uh, Gary becomes a female bee because he has a stinger. Apparently, that's a that's a trait for female bees. So, if you'd like to email us and tell us about what we did or did not get right about bee facts, you can email us at wegotgoosebumpspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is wegotgoosebumpspodcast at gmail.com. It would take a bee... 13 minutes to walk <laughs> down our email address. That's how long it is. Yes. And please don't let that discourage you from typing an email. Please email us. It's the only way we communicate with fans so far with the one. Thank you, Melanie. Find the show on Twitter at Say Cheese and Pod. If you like Twitter, if you don't like Twitter, Use the email. If you don't like email, use Twitter. It's your only two options. But you can also support the show and our network as a whole. You can head on over to Patreon. Now, that's going to be patreon.com forward slash polykill. And if you're untapped into the network and you're like, what's a polykill? Sounds deadly. It's not. It's just another dumb podcast. But you can find that at uh, that and more. Well, well, it, is go a, to it, is network. Whole, it is a whole network. It's not just polykill. Hmm. Polykill is a dumb show. Polymedia Network. Yeah. That's where you'll find the whole host of shows. Yeah. We got other ones. We got movies. We got other funny gaming related stuff drinking related thing we got stuff now dylan i am very excited for this next book this will be our first sequel and i can't wait i'm excited to see where this is going to go let us know what are we in for with book number 18 episode 18 what's coming 
Evan Ross can't stop thinking about Monster Blood and what happened last summer. It was so horrible, so terrifying. Too bad Evan's science teacher doesn't believe him. Now he's stuck cleaning out the hamster's cage as punishment for making up stories. Then Evan's friend Andy comes to town, and things go from bad to worse. Because Andy's got a present for Evan. It's green and slimy, and it's starting to grow.